Hi everyone. We are entering a new year, but sadly, we must begin it by paying tribute to those who have not come with us into the new year. Those who departed towards the end of the last. And sadly, we left last year with a lot of people from the anime and manga industry who made a really significant impact having left us. To start, we want to pay our respects to Ichiro Mizuki, who passed away on December 6th of lung cancer at the age of 74. Mizuki had been diagnosed with lung cancer with lymphonembrane metastasis following the paralysis of his vocal cords in April 2021, and he had a new lung cancer diagnosis made earlier this year, and he had a surgery in June and he was receiving therapy for his voice, but sadly, he has passed away of his symptoms. But even up till the end, he was giving performances. He gave his last performance on November 27th, just two weeks before he passed away. So right up until the end, the man nicknamed as the Emperor of Anime Songs still continued to reign supreme in the world of performances. And he was someone who contributed a lot of iconic, memorable theme songs for anime and tokusatsu in a career that spans over five decades. You'll recognize his work on many different Kamen Rider series, including Kamen Rider Stronger and Kamen Rider X, a new Kamen Rider. You'll recognize his work on many mecha series like Combatler V, Volts V, and Go Lion, plus other classics like Space pirate captain harlock and godiner and perhaps he's best known for his many many theme songs for mazinger z including the original iconic mazinger z theme song and all of those themes are truly some of the most like memorable blood pumping exciting anime and toku themes ever vocalized just truly, truly memorable, exciting work. And what an incredibly talented, passionate performer with like a one-of-a-kind voice that was just made for these kind of blood-pumping, exciting anime and toku shows. And the fact that he continued to put out memorable themes for so many series across so many franchises, themes that continue to stick with fans, continue to be iterated upon to this day, is just an incredible legacy. He will be sorely missed, but the contributions that he made to the world of anime and toku theme songs, the themes he created, he sung, will really be left behind forever in the hearts and the ears of fans. But we also had many other great talents leave us last year, including manga creator Satomi Mikuriora. He passed away at the age of 74 on December 16th, and he was not just a manga creator, but he also was an anime director. Like, he was the CG director of Golgo 13, The Professional, and he was a designer. He contributed character designs to things like Crusher, Joe the Movie, Phoenix 2772, Space Fireward. He also is best known, of course, for his manga work. 
He is most famous for the series Kintaro no Densetsu, which sadly uh, was never localized. But regardless, like he really had a hand in both the field of manga and in anime and was a part of some really incredible projects that really made those projects soar in terms of the designs he created, in terms of the animation he directed. And so he was truly an incredible multi-talented individual. And it's sad to lose him. It's also sad to lose another manga creator, Yuki Hijri, who is best known for Locke the Superman. He passed away from Panomia on October 30th at the age of 72, and it was kind of a delayed reporting of his passing. Uh, we didn't get the news until mid-December. But, you know, he had been suffering from Parkinson's disease and chronic sinus infection for a while since 2018 and then got the Parkinson's diagnosis in 2020. And he had been hospitalized for it. You know, he had went into cardiac arrest for it, but he was resuscitated. But it had been kind of a cycle of going in and out of recovery. But, you know, Locked to Superman is one of those really popular doujin that made it big as a full serialized work between the 60s to the 70s, uh, running for a decade in Shonen Gahosha Shonen King from 1979 to 1988, right up until the magazine ceased publication. And it, you know, inspired a very memorable anime film that's known for, like, its great animation. I really enjoyed it. And it was a really big franchise. And sadly, it's another one of those that we really haven't got much of here out west. But it's one that I really wish we did because it's a really coolly designed series and, like, a very interesting series. And he's really a great character designer, mechanical designer. In addition to his manga work, he also contributed character and mechanical designs for series like Volt V, Fighting Journal Demos, Heavy to Robot, Daltanius. So big contributions into the world of mecha in terms of designing characters and mechas for those series. And he had been serializing manga, like, right up until the past couple of years, with, like, his most recent installment of Lock the Superman having run, you know, in Young King Hours from 2019 onwards, so... You know, his career spanned over five decades and he was still making manga right up until recently. And it's really sad to lose another really incredible talent who left behind a really incredible series that had had a long legacy, you know, a long-standing franchise. And one that I really wish that we were able to experience more of here out west. Another really recent and really tragically young passing that happened recently was of manga creator Hildama, who wrote the autobiographical manga, I'm a terminal cancer patient, but I'm fine. She passed away also in mid-December. This is really tragic because of how young Hildama is, but also because their manga was just licensed by Seven Seas for release later this year. It had debuted just in July of 2020 on Flex Thomas' website. And in addition to that series, she also created the BL series A Flower That Blooms in Shadow, but it's really tragic it's really sad that you know this young creator who's like just in like her early 40s you know passed away because of her symptoms of her diagnosis especially sad that she passed away before the release of her book over here in english 
And I'm sure that her story will be one that will resonate with a lot of people as she, you know, explores like perseverance through this cancer diagnosis. But I, it's just really saddening that someone so young and talented just passed away so recently. And yet another manga creator who passed away recently, who, like many others we have been discussing, actually had a big contribution to the world of Mecha, was Gozaku Ota. He passed away on December 12th at the age of 74, presumably from after effects of a COVID diagnosis he had contracted at the end of November that required him to get an emergency transport to the hospital. It was said that his sensation stabilized, but his strength decreased because he contacted Pneumia afterward, and he died from Pneumia. But Ota was another veteran whose career spanned all the way back from the late 40s. A seven-decades career. He started out as an assistant for Shotaro Shinomori, and then became a shoujo manga creator. But he's best known, again, for his mecha work and his adaptations of Gonagai's works in particular, like Mazinger Z. He did the manga adaptation of that. He did the adaptation for Great Mazinger, UFO Robo Grandizer, Getter Robo, and Getter Robo G, and Kodetsu Z. And he also drew the second half of Gonagai's Machine Sorer manga taking over from Kenishikawa. And his most popular original work was Suribaka Taisho, a fishing manga that started in 1981 and went for 10 volumes. And he was like the original creator of the Grozer's X manga. So he leaves behind another incredible legacy. Again, a lot of contributions to the world of mecha manga. And, you know, really building upon and building out the worlds of creators like Go Nagai. And it's another really sad thing to lose a creator who had been in the industry for decades doing just phenomenal work. And, you know, it was it was really sad to hear that he uh, recently passed away. But now we have another really, really important figure to talk about who passed away recently, who founded like kind of one of the preeminent studios that are, you know, responsible for anime production that many people know of and are fond of their works from. And that is Studio Perro's founder, Yuji Nunakawa. He passed away on Christmas Day at the age of 75. He started his career as an animator and technical director at Mushi Pro, Sir Jack and Tatsunoko, and he was an episode director of many an anime like Time Bokan and Kashan before founding his studio, Studio Perro, about like 12 years into his career. And he served as its chair chief advisor right up until he passed away. But Studio Perot, of course, is known for many big series like Yu Yu Hakusho, Bleach, Naruto, Black Clover, Creamy Mommy, Kimigoro Omaj Road, Ozumatsukan. I mean, the list goes on. Studio Perot is like one of the biggest studios. And Nunakawa was responsible for its creation, for drawing in talent to help run the studio. And really making it what it became to be. You know, Studio Perot did Urusiatra, so like, I mean, it's done so many of my favorite series. Urusiatra, Yu Hakusho, Kimigore, 
uh, Naruto and Bleach are just so iconic. You know, Studio Perot's work on those series, they really have contributed just some of the most impactful works of anime in the medium. And, I mean, Nunokawa is responsible for bringing that studio together, bringing all that talent to that studio together. And it's really sad to hear that, you know, such a pivotal, important figure in the foundation of one of the most preeminent anime studios has passed away recently. But Japan's Agency for Cultural Affairs gave him a Commissioner for Cultural Affairs Award back in 2019. And that is well deserved because, you know, the contributions that Studio Perot has made to anime and manga and Japanese culture truly cannot be understated. And Nunakawa, as the founder of Perot, just had such a huge hand in that. And yeah, it's just really sad to talk about so many creators who have passed away in succession at the end of the year. You know, there's so many just really talented, talented artists who have made contributions that really have impacted so many fans, so many people really became a part of culture in a big way. It's just sad to lose them, but... I mean, I thank them for the work that they did, and I wanted to acknowledge them and pay our respects to them and send out condolences to their families, friends, and fans of their work. And I just want to take a moment of our time to acknowledge them and to dedicate a moment of remembrance to them and a moment of silence in honor of them. This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast, episode 222. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Lon Ramayasha. And today we are ringing in the new year by talking about all the news that came towards the end of the old. And boy, oh boy, did the end of the year leave us with a huge stack of news. Santa really d- delivered a lot to us uh, at the end of last year with a lot to talk about, uh-huh. a lot uh, to discuss, and it's going to take a little bit of time to unwrap it all. I don't even know if we'll be able to do it all in this episode. We might need to uh, spread it out a little bit into next, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how much we can cover because there's so much news in terms of big serialization updates and industry updates, a lot of anime update news. You know, there's a lot of things to look forward to come to Trinity Street, a lot of house cleaning to do when it comes to what happened towards the end in the industry in 2022. And it's a lot to get through, and we'll see how much we can get through on this episode, but it's going to be a stuffed one. 
yeah, worst case scenario, we might have to meet back in another couple weeks and open up the rest of our presents come February. We have we we have way too much to go through. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the gift that keeps on giving and it keeps on needing to be given back month after month. But uh, we'll we'll see if we can kind of sort through them all and um, unwrap it all, and so we can put them away and <laughs> be able to open up the new presents that is sure to come the next month on and on and on and on all this year. Yeah, for sure. Before we get on to our our big gifts, we got we got to start with some little ones. Oh, I, I think oh we we gotta we gotta look through our through our uh, stockings and see what we got in there. Yeah, well we you know we got a lot of gifts in terms of all this news, but we have gifts for you, listeners. Gifts for you to uh, enjoy from us to you with love. Yeah, just just a couple little things to start off the show with before we even get into news. Some cool podcasts that we've been putting up since the start of the new year. For those who have missed it, our episode of another day another. Adventure, which again is a podcast where Sakaki and I are going through all of the Dragon Ball anime franchise. We recorded, I want to say back in August, about Dragon Ball Super Superhero. It took a little longer for me to get around to editing and finishing that than I would have liked. We released that on our main podcast feed back in December. Uh, And then I thought, you know what? Might as well put it up on the Manga Mavericks feed for our listeners to listen to if they're interested. So, you know, if you want to hear our thoughts on Dragon Ball Super Superhero, it is up on the Manga Mavericks feed in case you missed it. Basically, myself, Sakaki, and Lum all got together very shortly right after the movie came out in North American theaters to talk about our thoughts. I thought we had a pretty good discussion on it, and I think we were pretty overall positive about the movie with some criticisms here and there. But overall, it is a pretty good discussion, uh, and if you want to listen to it, it is on the Manga Mavericks feed. And uh, you know what? If you if you liked what you listened to, you should go listen to the rest of Another Day, Another Venture if you want more Dragon Ball talk. But uh, that that's just me. I'm just putting that out there in case you want another podcast to listen to. But yeah, it's, it's up on our feed if you want to go listen to that. Yeah. I mean, it was a really great discussion. And, you know, we really love the film. So definitely check it out. And it's never too late to, to listen to it and enjoy it and check out the film if you haven't gone around to it. I don't know when it'll be out on home video. I think it comes out in March, actually. Yeah, there we go. So, you know, you can listen. If you haven't seen it yet, listen to the podcast in anticipation of it. Maybe avoid some of the more spoilery parts. But uh, I think we did some spoiler less discussion toward the beginning. So, yeah, you know, just whet your appetite uh, and get excited. Because, yeah, it was a really great film that I think, you know, leaves us excited and hopeful for you know, what future Dragon Ball films could do and what we hope to see coming next in the franchise. So yeah, I I enjoyed talking about it. And I hope you all enjoy listening to our conversation on it. Mm -hmm, For sure. It was indeed super, super, super. But other cool podcasts that you may have seen on the feed recently uh, include interviews that I've been able to do with some pretty prominent Adult Swim creators. I was able to interview Casper Kelly, who is the director of many great projects and short films and series like Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell and Stroker and Hoop and, of course, Too Many Cooks and Flammable Deployment 4. And I got to interview him about his most recent project, the 
The Adult Swim U-Log, which I really love the film. I watched it uh, many times after its premiere and, you know, had a really good conversation about it with Casper about, you know, what his intentions and thoughts were in the creation of it, what he wanted to explore. And I thought it was a really fun conversation and I really enjoyed Casper's work and I really enjoyed the film. So, you know, I did not shy away from asking, you know, questions about like the ending and and spoilery stuff. So if you want to listen to it, I think it's best appreciated after having seen the film and I highly encourage you to watch the film going in blind because I think that's it's best enjoyed in terms of all the surprises in terms of how it evolves the direction it goes but yeah it was a really fun conversation and it was just cool to talk to him get some insights on how the film turned out and how it came to be so I I really was grateful for the opportunity as I was grateful for the opportunity to interview Michael Cusack who you'll know as the creator of Smiling Friends and Bushworld Adventures and Koala Man and of course YOLO Crystal Fantasy, which is entering its second season, is YOLO Silver Destiny that has just premiered by the time you're listening to this. And I got an opportunity to interview him as well as the lead actors uh, in the show, Sir Bishop and Todd Manolovic, about the upcoming season. And, you know, I also got a chance to preview the episodes too, so that was exciting. And yeah, it was great to talk about, like, what their thoughts were, like, going into the season, you know, changes they're gonna make, like, how the relationship between Sarah and Rachel of all the season, what they think the strengths of the series in terms of its core relationship and exploration of friendship are, details about how the art direction has changed and just some of the quirks behind like some new characters and how some characters are created. And yeah, it was really fun to have that conversation. I've been a huge fan of Michael's work for a while and really, really loved YOLO season one and was super excited for season two and season two, the episodes I've seen, you know, it's some really promising stuff and I'm really looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season uh, turns out because already there have been some really great episodes. So, yeah, definitely check that out if you're a fan of Michael Kuzak's work. Check out Boat Interviews if you're a fan of Adult Swim and their shows and series in general because they were really awesome conversations to be able to have with creators whose works I really enjoyed and admired for such a long time. And I would be grateful and I'm hoping to have even more opportunities to interview great creators in the future. And yeah, those are just like bonus interviews episodes you can catch on the Mongol Rats feed. The Michael Kuzak interview will be finally the second installment of Mongol Rats on TV after <laughs> the Central Park episode many years ago. And then the Casper Kelly interview is finally a new episode of that movies after another hiatus for that movies. And one of these days I'll be able to continue those series more regularly. But for now I'm happy to continue on with them in the form of like publishing great interviews with like great people making great movies and TV shows. So yeah, definitely check those out. Yeah, I definitely want to sing your praises about your interview with Casper Kelly. Like, I feel like that episode is like the definition of short but sweet. Like, I really thought with what little time you had with him, I thought you got a lot of really good questions in. And hey, you know what? You should really just check out Adult Swim Yule Log. It's on HBO Max. I watched it the night it premiered. And um, holy shit, what a trip. <laughs> It was so good. <laughs> yeah, that was so fun. That's what I love about Adult Swim is that it can continue to create 
really surprising things that, you know, you just catch on TV, just completely unaware. That's the thrill of it, is just being able to turn on and discover something new and surprising. And that's just what I love about that film, what I love about, like, a a lot of what Adult Student does in general. So I really, really appreciated that. And yeah, you know, I these interviews are, like, shorter than what you might expect from a manga barracks interview you know i as part of like you know press junket time slots they only get about 15 to 20 minutes with the people i'm interviewing but you know i try to ask as many really good questions to get you know answers that i haven't heard discussed or told in other interviews so i try to do my due diligence to do the research and see and hear what has been said what has been asked of these guys so with these interviews you'll hopefully be hearing stuff that you haven't heard before uh, as fans of these creators and series so hopefully they'll be interesting and illuminating and I really appreciate getting the chance to ask those questions and uh, talk to these really great great folks yeah for what it's worth I thought I thought you did a great job oh thank you so yeah check those out and you know we have a lot of great new podcasts coming out this year but uh, take a moment to reflect on all the podcasts we put out last year by taking our manga round survey once again we're doing our annual survey where we're pulling you our listeners about your favorite episodes favorite guests favorite moments favorite news stories and just favorite manga of the previous year of 2022 and And we just want to hear your feedback and just get a sense of like what you enjoyed about the show next year and also get some feedback on what you'd like to see us do in 2023 and things that you'd like us to do in terms of like podcast ideas, in terms of people you want us to have on, series you want us to discuss. We really want to get your thoughts, get your feedback on how we're doing, how we did, and how we can grow from here. So as always, we really, really appreciate you taking our survey. Link will course be in the post and you can also find it regularly tweeted out and promoted on our twitter but also as a special way to thank you for your listenership and your support if you take the survey uh, like in years past you'll also be entered into a giveaway for a free manga volume of your choice and we're going to have quite a selection again of a lot of different titles. And, you know, if you wanted like a older Shonen Jump issue that never could get your hands on, well, maybe take the survey. You might be able to get your chance to win one. You might be able to get a chance to win like that stray volume of a series uh, you always have been meaning to get around to getting but haven't gotten a chance to yet. We have a quite the eclectic selection of titles that we're going to be putting up in our giveaway so yeah you know leave us some feedback and you may find yourself receiving a special little gift of a new manga read in the mail but you know we just really appreciate you guys continuing to support us every year and we want to you know of course reflect on the previous year as we go into the new one and continue to improve the show and make things even better even more enjoyable for you all so yeah uh, once again check out the survey we really appreciate if you fill it out and uh, look forward to hearing the results of it 
as a bonus pod in February. It'll be our February bonus pod, like uh, last year. And also, yeah, the the survey is going up a little bit later than planned, just because making adjustments at the beginning of the year took some time away from uh, going through it and getting it set up and sent out. So the survey will be up uh, a little bit longer than previous years. It'll be up until at least mid-February. Current plan, I think, will be for February 15th it'll be up until so yeah you'll have plenty of time about a month or so after this episode comes out to go and fill it out so yeah definitely check it out and we're really looking forward to hearing your guys's feedback and thoughts on your favorites of the show and of the manga world last year for sure for sure if you want the most like up-to-date updates that was redundant uh on our survey and how long it'll be running uh if you want updates on that in particular please follow us on twitter at manga underscore mavericks like lum said we'll be tweeting that out over the next month or so and yeah uh just keep up with us there and uh we'll let you guys know uh, how long the survey will be running for in case any changes come up or whatever but yeah that's basically the best place you could find updates on that and basically everything we're doing in general uh, as we talk about at the end of every show again manga underscore mavericks on twitter so yeah uh please take the survey we'd really appreciate your guys's feedback and yeah i i can't wait to see what our listeners have to say about our podcast absolutely but I think it is finally time to try to get through at least as much news as we possibly can on this episode. Yeah, enough talking about us. Let's finally talk about some manga. And there's a lot of manga to talk about. For sure. And we have quite a few lists to catch up on. But I think we can get through these first two pretty quickly. Because I'm going to be talking about the last two New York Times graphic books and manga bestsellers list. First, we're going to be starting off with the one from uh, December in particular. Again, this will be pretty quick because, uh, surprise, surprise, Chainsaw Man took over most of the manga spots on this list. At number 15 on the list, we have Volume 4 of Chainsaw Man, along with Volume 3 at number 11, Volume 2 at number 10, and Volume 1 all the way at number 4 on the list. So Chainsaw Man, as as you'll see uh, throughout the next couple of minutes, uh, has really just been like taking over uh, manga sales in North America for the past few months. It's uh, quite a sight to see. Who, who could have seen this coming? Not us. But there is at least one other title that's not Chainsaw Man on this list, and that is Hayao Miyazaki's Shuna's Journey at number eight on the list, which uh, is really, really cool. I did not expect to see this like placed on the list. I mean, obviously, it's Hayao Miyazaki, and a lot of people love his work, but I didn't really think his manga would like place this highly on these lists, so it, this is a really nice surprise to see. Yeah, I mean, of course, Miyazaki is a well-known and well-beloved and respected name, so I was expecting the book to do well, but it's really cool to see that it has done this well in terms of sales, in terms of popularity. It it's such an interesting book as well. You know, I have described it before. It's like, it's not how you normally think of as manga. It really is kind of like a book of like, you know, artboards of illustrations. It's more of a storybook-esque than most manga. But it's really interesting. It's really beautiful, the art in it. And of course, the story has a lot of seeds of things that he continued to explore in Nausicaa and Princess Mononoke. So it's super interesting in that way and in just its own right, too. So I'm very happy to see it do so well. 
For sure, for sure. But we can just go ahead and move on to the uh, the January list in which uh, Chainsaw Man doesn't totally take over the list. It's a little more varied on this month's list, uh, but Chainsaw Man still ranks more than once on this list with number two ranking at number 14 on the list and volume one ranking at number three on the list. So Chainsaw Man, again, we're going to say it a bunch of times. It's doing very well. Very happy for it. Obviously, the most popular thing uh, selling right now. Yeah. But so is Spy Family and Jujutsu Kaisen continues its momentum with new volumes as well. For sure. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Volume 18 ranks at number 12 on the list, and uh, Spy Family Volume 1 ranks at number 11 on the list. So right alongside Chainsaw Man, like you said, are two more of the most popular titles selling right now. And, you know, it's it's cool to see. Absolutely. But, you know, even more of a story of, like, what's popular is told on the book scan list. Oh, for sure. And like I keep mentioning, uh, I mean, first off, we're going to go into uh, the November 2022 book scan list. And Chainsaw Man basically takes over this list, to put it mildly. And yeah, I'm just going to go over these real quick. So Volume 1 ranked at number 1. Volume 2 ranked at number 2. Volume 3 ranks at number 4. Volume 4 ranks at number 6. Volume 5 ranks at number 10. Volume 9 ranks at number 11, with Volume 7 ranking at number 12, Volume 10 ranking at number 15, and Volume 11 ranking at number 8. So basically, every volume of Chainsaw Man, besides Volume 6 and 8, almost the whole series up to this point is on this list. Yeah, 9 of the 11 <laughs> volumes. It's half of the list. It's most of every volume of Chainsaw Man. So yeah, it's Chainsaw Domination. Like, the, it really, we are in Chainsaw Fever. <laughs> is <laughs> the aftermath of the anime coming out in October, so, yeah. I mean, we, we basically called it, like, a few episodes ago that this would happen. Yeah, <laughs> and even before the anime Chainsaw Man was continuing to really dominate these lists, so it's no surprise, but I think that now I'm just waiting for a day to come when all the volumes populate this top 20, so that'll be exciting. It's gonna happen at least once. Just once. It's going it to happen. To. I have to imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but onto the other series on this list that aren't Chainsaw Man, at number three on the list is, once again, Hayao Miyazaki's Shuna's Journey, which, uh, again, even for something that is from probably the most beloved anime creator in the West, I would say, or at least like the one that like everybody knows, even people that aren't into anime, especially, it's really cool that something of Miyazaki's ranks this highly on the book scan list. Indeed, yeah. I mean, it's really cool to see. Like, this is a really strong placement for a new debut on this list, and you know, just goes to show the anticipation to the man popularity. I'm really happy for it. Again, like, another thing that I appreciate is that Shinra's Journey is, you know, a different kind of series in terms of what we usually see on these lists, and it's not like a battle shonen type thing. It's hard to place, like, how you would fit it in, in terms of, like, genre, but it's, it's you know, again, also just in terms of the kind of manga it is, it's not as uh, traditional. So I just appreciate that it was able to really appeal and do so well. Mm-hmm, for sure. But just to talk about everything else on this list, at number five on the list, we have Demon Slayer Volume 1, with Volume 2 ranking at number eight. Demon Slayer, uh, Volumes 1 and 2, from what we can see, are just constant bestsellers. People are still constantly getting into Demon Slayer. I'm definitely interested in seeing how many spots Demon Slayer is going to take over on this list once the next season of the anime starts, for sure. For sure. I'm sure we'll see a second wave of Demon Slaying slaying the charts. Oh, for sure. 
Next up, another still pretty popular favorite amongst manga fans is My Hero Academia with volume 32, ranking at number 9, and volume 1, ranking at number 13. So My Hero Academia still keeping up the same trend as always with the latest volume selling while people constantly get into or go back to volume 1. Pretty constant trend. Yep, new fans still engaged and newer fans still coming in. And then next up, we have Jujutsu Kaisen with Volume 1, ranking at number 14, and Volume 0, ranking at number 17. People, I'm assuming, maybe catching up with the manga in time to watch the next season of the anime coming up, maybe. Yeah, though, this is a little early in advance of that, since the next season doesn't come out till July, but... Well, I mean, you really gotta get ready ahead of time. Sure, but I think <laughs> Jujutsu Kaisen is just another one of those series that is ever popular and ever attracts readers to continue to get into it. And, you know, whether you start with Volume 0, Volume 1, uh, you're starting in on a really fun experience. For sure. Uh, next up, we have Spy Family, the lone volume of Spy Family on this list, Volume 8 and Number 16. Gone are the days of Spy Family takeover on this list, but I'm I'm sure that'll happen again once the next season comes out. Yeah, Chainsaw Man uh, <laughs> kind of sliced it up all the Spy Family <laughs> spots on the chart. Um, so it consumed them. So, you know, I, I'm i sure we'll see a comeback for the Spy family uh, in the future. But yeah, it's, Chainsaw Man was <laughs> just too powerful for even the likes of our favorite family of spies. Next up, we have One Punch Man, Volume 24, ranking at number 19 on the list, uh, which is interesting because I guess Volume 23 didn't rank on this list when it came out. So interesting to see this volume rank, but, you know, people still enjoy One Punch Man, and obviously it's popular enough to where people are still checking out the newest volumes. Yeah, I guess Gone are the Hades of One Punch Man was one of, like, the dominating titles, but obviously it's still very popular, so it's good to see its newest volume make it into the top 20 during its debut month. Last thing on the list is Kaiju Number 8 Volume 4, ranking at number 20. And hey, Kaiju Number 8, glad to see it doing well. I can feel it in my bones that that when that new anime comes out eventually, we're going to have a Kaiju number eight takeover for sure. I could feel it. I could feel it. I think so. I think Kaiju number eight will do really great when that anime comes out. I think it'll take up eight spots and more. It'll dominate. And um, yeah, I, I guess we have to wait until 2024 before we see how it turns out. But I think that, you know, we'll see many of all of Kaiju galore when that day comes. <sighs> yeah, it's going to be a long wait, but um, it'll be worth it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that later on the show. But yeah, uh, that's really about it for that list. I mean, I don't think we have much to add to that list other than, yeah, Chainsaw Man is still taking over. And you know what? Wait, let's just go right into the next list, uh, the December 2022 list, because Chainsaw Man doesn't take over as much, but it still takes over most of the list because we have volume one ranking at number one, volume two ranking at number two, volume three ranking at number five. With Volume 4 ranking at number 7, Volume 5 ranking at number 11, Volume 9 ranking at number 16, Volume 6 ranking at number 18, and Volume 10 ranking at number 20. So like I said, not as many volumes as on the last list, but still pretty dominant on the list. Still a lot of spots. Yeah, still eight volumes <laughs> out of 18 manga in the top 20. So, you know, still not doing too shabby there. Oh, for sure. And then next up, we have Demon Slayer once again with volume one ranking at number three and volume two ranking at number 12. And then next up after that, we have Spy Family with volume one ranking at number four on the list and volume two 
ranking number 15. So Spy Family, even against like the sheer mass and popularity of Chainsaw Man, Volume 1 still manages to rank pretty high on the list, which is pretty impressive. Indeed. Next up, we have Jujutsu Kaisen once again with Volume 18, the newest volume, ranking at number 6 on the list, and Volume 0, ranking at number 17. Jujutsu Kaisen, still doing pretty well. New volumes, also always do pretty well. Yep, new volumes, and Volume 0 in particular, uh, still trekking along as an entry point for fans. Uh, And then next up, we have My Hero Academia, with only one volume on the list this time, with Volume 1, ranking at number 18. My Hero Academia, it's Volume 1, is basically a perennial bestseller. People are always getting into it. All right, and then the last three titles on the list are a bit different than normal, at least compared to the, all the big, like, Shonen Jump action fighting stuff, stuff that isn't on the list as much, but still there every once in a while, uh, with Dragon Ball Super Volume 17 at number 9, which I believe is the newest volume of Super out right now. It is, and this continues a trend of seeing Super's latest volumes on the list as they've debuted it, which hadn't happened before, but I guess perhaps in the aftermath of Superhero, or just the anticipation of the Granola the Survivor arc, people are really coming out to buy these volumes, and they're charting pretty high, so I mean, good to see it doing pretty well now. I'm sure it was always doing well, but like it's doing even better than we had been able to notice previously. Next up, we have Volume 1 of the Deluxe Edition of Berserk, ranking at number 14. Berserk, once again, another series that doesn't always rank on this list, but still ranks every once in a while. I'd say like every couple months or so at the very least. Still Dark Horse's best-selling comic. Absolutely. The last title I am surprised pleasantly to see on this list, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And that title is Blue Lock, with Volume 1 ranking at number 19 on the list. Yeah, Blue Lock is definitely a series that I think because of the anime and because of like, you know, the World Cup that was going on recently, you know, I think both of those things have really given it a lot of traction recently. But for a soccer manga, you know, to chart so high on the top 20 on the book scan is quite impressive. I mean, any sports manga charting on the book scan is a rarity, but, you know, soccer especially, not a big track record of a successful series here in the U.S., so yeah, i pleasantly surprised that this title is doing so well, and it's a nice kind of breakup from that list usually being dominated by Shonen Jump battle titles. It's nice to have a series like Blue Lock that is like a sports manga kind of be in here in this space. And, uh, and you know, another book that isn't published by Viz Media, what, it being a Kananter title. So nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing if Blue Lock is going to continue the place on this list moving forward. I'm not sure if it will, but it would be cool to see. Yeah, I do wonder that too. But hopefully this will be another one that we'll continue to see pop on the list time again as new volumes come out. All right, but yeah, that's about it for both these lists. Once again, I don't know if I have a whole lot to add other than Chainsaw Man continues to take over, and I'm excited to see how long that's going to last. Indeed. But yeah, I mean, interesting list, and I do definitely appreciate the surprises of Shuna's journey and Blue Lock ranking on him. And hopefully we'll continue to get even more lists this year that'll surprise us with new titles uh, doing quite well alongside and competing with the other Shonen stuff. 
So now we're going to move on to some like Japanese best of the year type list. And we're going to start off with the Da Vinci manga ranking. Now they usually publish top 50. We won't go through all of the top 50, but just to count up from the top 10 tiles, let's start with number 10. Uh, that was Frey Ren. Number nine, they put World Trigger. Number eight is What Did You Eat Yesterday by Fumi Ushinaga. Number seven was Dr. Stone. Number six was Jujutsu Kaisen. Number five was Detective Conan. Number four was Do Not Say Mystery by Yumi Tamura. Number three was Golden Kamui. And number two is One Piece. And number one, their best book of the year was Spy Family. So I felt this was a pretty uh, Shonen Jump dominated list, but it's really nice to see Do Not Say Mystery as a Jose title ranked so high, you know, uh, just increasing the anticipation for the publication of that one here pretty soon in the States. And yeah, I'm glad to see what did you eat yesterday also uh, do pretty well. And yeah, it's it's just interesting that they feel really strongly about like these latest runs of these other titles. So yeah, I mean, just uh, another interesting list here. And uh, there are, you know, a lot of other interesting placements of what made their top 50, a lot of different titles. Anything that stood out to you as uh, one that you found interesting and wanted to mention? Yeah, I'm, I'm like skimming through the list right now. I see Goodbye Airy on this list at number 46, which honestly... That deserves to be higher. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. And I'm a little disappointed Chiaifu just missed the top 10. What would it be this, you know, it's final year last year. It came in at number 11. But, you know, yeah, I, it's interesting to see, like, what ranks so high. Like, uh, Hiromu Yamakawa's uh, Yomi Guide, that came in at number 19. So, you know, the first couple volumes of that being very well received. I'm happy to see Polar Opposites make the list in number 34. Really loving that series. Shout out uh, to you to Ichigo. That's a series that, you know, I've been really interested in with Sakaki tweeting it out ever since it debuted in Sunday, you know, updates, recaps of every chapter. So cool to see it on the list at number 37. Uh, the Summer Dakaru died, a very anticipated series uh, that'll be coming out in English this year here at number 43. Pretty cool. My La Mix Up, which ended last year, uh, Laces from Aruko, that's at number 45. And Moto latest Pole Clan arc also came in at number 49. So, you know, a lot of really interesting titles making lists. The full top 50 is pretty eclectic, but yeah, that top 10, I feel, is pretty dominated by pretty common popular staples and chunk jump stuff. So that's a little disappointing. It didn't have quite as much variety, but the full list, I appreciate the variety there. Yes, we will leave a link to the full list in the show notes for this episode, so please go ahead and check that out if you're interested in uh, taking a look at the full list. But I think we have one more year-end list to talk about if we just want to get into that. Indeed. The Konomango Ga Segoi list. This manga is amazing guidebook. Uh, the editors of that once again released their yearly top rankings for both series aimed towards male readers and series aimed towards uh, female readers. Now, admittedly, I'm not as familiar with the titles on the females readers list, but there are a lot of interesting titles that I really want to check out, particularly the number one ranker of which is Life in Mongol by Tomato Soup and series 
Serious Offer Worker at number three by Umeko Fuyuno. So a lot of really great titles here. One that I believe I think is in print here uh, is In the Clear Moonlight Dust by Mika Yamamori. That is being published by Kanansha digitally. So that's one to check out for sure. But yeah, a lot of eclectic interesting titles that I wish we got more of here in English so we could check them out. But the mail readers list... I know more titles there, and it's pretty interesting. Just to go into the top 10, uh, well, there's a tie at number 10. One of those series is a series called Midori no Uta, or The Song About Green, which I don't know too much about. It's a Kanakawa title, but it's from Gaoyan, and I would like to see that license. That other series that tied for number nine uh, is You and I Are Polar Opposites, which, you know, again, my favorite new debut of Manga Plus last year. I really love that series. I'm glad to see it be so well-received. One Piece came in at number eight. Number seven was a series called Super no Ura de Yani Sufatari. This series is one that has, uh, again, some acclaim. It's a Square Enix puppet series, so I like to learn more about it. I believe it's like about kind of like an office worker and like the worker of this convenience store. You know, they kind of go on smoke breaks together and kind of vent to each other. So it's an interesting one. At number six, we got Korakai De Shine by Minoru Toyoda. Basically, the series is called Draw This Then Die. So, you know, it sounds like a, a fun manga about making manga. Then we got Keikiko Kamen by Takayuki Yamaguchi. And this is a series that is published in Big Comic. So another one that uh, I'm interested in learning more about. This one is like another kind of like a play on a toku series and it may or may not be related to a similar series that uh, was a franchise in Japan in the 50s. And at number four, uh, we're getting into titles that uh, we really, really love here. Akai Banashi comes in at number four, which yeah, my favorite new debut uh, in Weekly Shonen Jump last year. Number three was the breakout hit on Shonen Plus slash Manga Plus Takapi's Original Sin by Tyson 5, which, yeah, I mean, that series was super well received in Japan, did really well in sales and critical reception, so definitely not surprised to see it rank so high. Now, at number two, we have Justice for Goodbye Airy because it's at number two, so yeah, you know, a great, great series. At number one, just increasing my anticipation to check this out later this year, it's The Summer Dead Car Died, Bokumokuren, so yeah. That series really hotly uh, anticipated, really critically beloved and received, so very much looking forward to checking it out. But yeah, like, these lists are interesting because it's a collection of a lot of titles. Of course, both of these lists that, you know, still have not got English releases, but just increases my anticipation for them. And yeah, I, I really appreciate, you know, just kind of the eclectic tastes and picks of the This Manga's Amazing list. So thought it'd be worth discussing and highlighting. For more information on the uh, shoujo titles in particular, because, you know, I had, don't have much experience with them. I want to just shout out Shoujo Jose News and Info's list, kind of going through all the titles on the list and giving synopses of them. And yeah, they really go into detail about like what these series are about, what makes them interesting, and definitely increases and really makes me want to check out these series for myself. And I 
hope that they get licensed soon. So definitely refer to that list if you're curious to learn more about the titles on the list for female readers in particular, because yeah, there's some really interesting titles there that are just not getting the visibility in like the English manuscript because they're not getting licensed, but definitely, definitely worth checking out. And especially like which is Life of Mongol, the number one ranker, looks so beautiful in terms of art and interesting in terms of concepts. So I really want to check that out. But that does it for a list, so now we can move into serialization news, and we're going to start off with some, like, updates of, like, serializations that are getting, like, some adjustments. So the Yokai Watch manga that has been running in, like, Korokoro for a while has ended as of the January issue of Korokoro Comics on December 15th, but it's only a temporary ending because it will resume publication, it will continue publication in Korokoro Ichiban and Besatsu Korokoro Comics. So it's kind of ended for now in like its main place of publication, but it will still continue. And this series, you know, has continued to be published and released by Viz Media. So, you know, I've been following that series. Don't fret. It's not going to be over for long and it's going to continue on just a new magazine, new format. And that's also going to be true for like some of these other titles are going to come up that is kind of going to be shift format, or at least this other title we're going to talk about that's going to shift format, which probably has been long overdue for a long time in the case of the series and for this author. For sure. The series we're talking about is Hunter Hunter from Yoshihiro Togashi. Obviously, as it has been for the past few years, Togashi has done about 10 chapters or so. Basically, a volume's worth of material has come and gone. This last batch of chapters was uh, pretty good. I mean, that's an understatement, but I mean, it was just so good. We, we definitely talk about it in an upcoming bonus podcast on the Patreon that'll hopefully be up by the end of the month, but uh, more info on that at another date. Uh, but yes, with the end of this batch of Hunter Hunter chapters came a notice in that issue of Weekly Show to Jump, basically letting the reader know that Togashi and the editorial department have been kind of been in talks about like what to do with Hunter Hunter and its serialization from this point forward, and basically decided that Hunter Hunter will no longer be running weekly, and they're basically going to be trying to figure out a new schedule kind of moving forward, and that once the editorial department knows the concrete details of what the manga serialization is going to be like from this point moving forward that uh, they will give us more updates and honestly i totally agree like i think this is the best course of action to go i think we've been saying for a long long time that togashi is overdue for some kind of change in his schedule because clearly coming out with the volumes worth of material every like few years or so probably just isn't working for him anymore Obviously, we don't have any details at the time of this recording about like what's going to be happening with Hunter Hunter as far as the serialization goes, but I feel like what's going to happen is I feel like what's most likely anyway is I think maybe they'll shoot for for a monthly release maybe. I could see that, though even then I'm not really sure if Togashi has the physical capabilities of even doing that, honestly. That was kind of the first thing that came to my mind anyway. Uh, I think that would be much healthier at least you know, spread out the, the work over the course of a year. Like, you know, with maybe work in, like, just two months of break as well. You know, so he can still do ten chapters a year, a volume a year, basically. But just spread it out more. Make it easier on him. So he doesn't have to, like, do the entire bachelor at once before it gets serialized. Or he can still do that, but, like, it gives him even more, like, leeway time. and also means that the break time between the release of chapters is minimized. Honestly, I wouldn't even mind if, like, 
you know, like you said, maybe they do like a monthly or bi-monthly release schedule. I wouldn't even mind if like Togashi, because, you know, with certain series in Shonen Jump, they've been doing this thing like with uh, Black Clover and My Hero Academia in particular, you know, both Horikoshi and Tabata have been doing those series with reduced page counts. I wouldn't mind if Togashi even wanted to go that route, honestly, that way, you know, he could release as many chapters that way maybe monthly or bi-monthly, and still maybe warrant enough to have, like, a new volume come up maybe every year, maybe. I could see that maybe being, the, I don't know, just just kind of spitballing ideas as to what I think could happen, but I don't know. Yeah, that would definitely increase frequency of chapter publication, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, at first I thought, like, well, maybe they'll just move Hunter x Hunter to Jump Plus, but then I was thinking, like, no, I, I kind of feel like I feel like Hunter x Hunter is still popular enough to where, like, they'd probably want to keep it in the main Jump magazine, probably. Probably. It is a really popular series, but I think Takashi's health and the format of where it fits best is more important. Mm, for sure. But we'll see what they decide, but it definitely seems they're going to make changes to how the series is published to better suit Takashi's health. Yeah, I'm glad they're finally taking precautions to not totally run Tagashi's health into the ground. I mean, they really should have done this decades ago. But you know what? Better late than never. I'm glad that they're finally like, man, we should we should like really try to figure something out. I'm glad that they're finally addressing this. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, I would love as much as the next guy, you know, more frequent Hunter Hunter updates. But obviously, we've said it many times before, it really should not come at the cost of Tagashi's health. And I'm glad that they're finally trying to find like some kind of compromise moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, I'm just wishing for the best for Tagashi and his health. And if he wants to continue making the series, just be able to do it in a way that is easier on him and healthier for him. Obviously, when we have a better idea of what Hunter Hunter's serialization schedule is going to look like, uh, we'll obviously let you guys know. But like we said, at the time of this recording, still kind of up in the air. There's been no new announcements yet, but we'll keep you guys updated. Absolutely. But yeah, to just to move on to the next thing, uh, this is sort of poll news, but we figured it would make more sense to kind of mention this in serialization news. Basically, for the 20th anniversary of the Naruto anime, they're basically holding a worldwide Naruto character popularity poll, kind of along the same lines of what they did for One Piece, what they're calling the Naru Top 99, where basically, um, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, you guys will have a, a week to uh, still vote in the poll. But basically, we're going to see who uh, who the top Naruto characters are throughout the entire world. And basically, whoever gets number one spot, Kishimoto is going to dedicate a short manga to, which I think is really, really cool. I'm really interested in seeing who the number one character for this is going to be. And this is one of those kind of polls where like, you can make a single vote every day. So obviously, I have taken advantage of that. And I voted for multiple different characters. I don't know if you voted in this poll yet, but uh, I definitely had to come out for uh, for Shikamaru, Rock Lee, and Jiraiya at the very least, because I think I can safely say those are like my three favorite characters in all of Naruto. For sure. I mean, th those are great characters. But yeah, like with this poll, like uh, they really uh, have the incredible list of characters, you know, like everyone you could possibly want to vote for, I think. So yeah, a lot of good choices. I think that I voted for Shikamaru and Might Guy. Oh, Guy! I gotta vote for him, too. Yeah, I mean, I got really I got really reminded about, wow, Guy is a great character, because I've been, you know, watching the anime on Toonami again recently, and they got to the episodes where Guy was fighting Madara, and I was like, oh, yeah, Guy's a great character. Uh, but yeah, so unfortunately, he's not near the, in these interim results, like the top ten. But I, I'm curious to see who will 
get the victory who will ultimately be voted as number one and then who will get the manga based off of him. Right now in the interim results, Minato is in the lead. That's interesting. And uh, that'll be fine, I guess. You know, I think it's like part of how people are voting. It's like who they want to see a new story based on from Kishimoto, which is, I think, explains why characters like Shizui, uh, who is like Itachi's best friend, who we don't really know that much about. It's like a number four because I think people are voting under the lines like, you know, I want to know more about this character. So let's let's vote for him. So <laughs> we get a story about this guy. Uh, in addition to, of course, the most popular characters. But like it's in similar vein, like Kakashi's dad, Sakimo, is like a number eight. So it's like, I think some people are voting based on, I really want to see a new story from Kishimoto about this guy. This tells you like, how much I kept up with Naruto at one point. I didn't even know Itachi had a best friend, quite honestly. <laughs> uh, it's kind of an important part of his backstory and like how he got his shine gun. I don't think stuff, I got so. that far. <laughs> Uh, okay. But yeah, so it, I mean, I think that what's cool is that like Sakura uh, is at like number three in this midterm report. So it's like, That's hey, surprising. nice to see some love for Sakura. People want to see a new story from Kishimoto about her, which, you know, Sakura is never like a super high ranker in these Naruto popularity polls. I don't remember. So it's like, hey, <laughs> nice to see some new real evaluation and love for the character. So yeah, considering how for the longest time it used to be a meme about how useless Sakura would be and how much everybody fucking hates her. Like, that's nice to see. I'm happy for her. Honestly, she deserves it. Yeah, I'm looking... Yeah, Sakura has never, like, been a super high... She's always been consistently in the top 10, but, like, you know, she has never ranked this highly, so that's uh, that's good for her. But, yeah, I think that otherwise, you know, like, other characters in the top 10 are, are who you'd expect, like Itachi and Kakashi and Naruto and Madara and Sasuke and Jiraiya. But uh, I'm definitely pulling for, like, kind of characters who, you know, we whose stories we haven't seen as much about. So, like, yeah, give me a Shishui. <laughs> a victory here. Uh, give me uh, Sakamo or heck, uh, even Minato. Like I, we, I think we know enough about him, but uh, we could probably dig into other areas of his life and learn more. So yeah, interesting stuff. Oh yeah, I forgot. I also voted for um, Irika today because you know what? He's he's the best dad, and he deserves it. Yeah, no, seriously, he is Naruto's best father figure. So uh, he he could he could deserve some more spotlight for sure. Oh, for sure. I actually would love that. But yeah, like we said, by the time this episode's out, you guys should still have a little time to vote in the poll if you want to. Uh, we'll obviously leave a link in the show notes for the website so you guys can vote in the poll. And yeah, start voting for all your favorite characters and see who comes out on top. Like I said, I'm definitely really interested in what the top 10 of this is going to look like. Um, but yeah, I guess we can move on to our next piece of uh, serialization news. So we now know for sure that in the March 2023 issue of Shueisha's Ultra Jump coming out on February 17th, that that is going to be the start of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 9, JoJo Lands. That's right. Uh, JoJo Lands is going to be starting up at the time of this recording anyway in just a little over a month. And yeah, I'm very excited to see what Part 9 of JoJo is going to bring to the table. I'm still really hoping we get a simulpub. I don't know if that's going to happen, but a man could dream. Yeah, I I really hope for a simulpub. I think that it would be a great opportunity for Viz to do it, even though they haven't gotten the 7 and 8 yet. So here's hoping. I am excited for part 9 as well. We've got like a little bit of a tease recently from Araki of like a new character design. I don't know if it's going to be like the new Jojo, what they look like. But yeah, it's 
it's just interesting to see, like, um, you know, finally, after, like, 10 years, we're getting a new JoJo part, you know? It's like, Jojolan was lasted, like, a decade. So, you know, uh, it's going to be a big refresh. I'm excited to see, like, where the story goes next. Oh, for sure. I'm I'm really excited for this. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of, like, other new installments or, like, add-ons to existing, like, popular franchises, Moriarty, The Patriot, which we recently talked about, is, like, entering its second part of the manga, uh, is actually also going to get, like, a adaptation of its novels as well, called Moriarty, The Patriot, The Remains, that's going to launch in the April issue of Jump Square on March 3rd. And so that's another one we'll see if, like, Viz ends up doing a simul for that but uh that'll be interesting basically the new manga is going to adapt chapters of the novels as well as like side character stories and then this is going to lead up until the launch of the second part of moriarty to patriot like after this adaptation of the novels ends then the second part of moriarty to patriot is going to begin serialization so yeah it's an interesting way to kind of build up to the release of the second part and i'm interested to check in on these like side stories these adaptations of the novel stories which we haven't really got in the novels here in english so this will be a nice way to read them or experience them if i'm, I'm sure viz will uh, translate these uh, and publish these if not as a simulpub when they get to it uh, in their publication of the series in terms of other, like, kind of uh, spin-off or adjacent manga tie-ins to existing franchises, Devilman Gaiden is launching a new manga in the January 23rd issue of Monthly Young Magazine. This is a series by Fujihiko Hosano. It's based on Devilman. It basically is going to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Devilman, but take place in the modern Reiwa era. So that's pretty cool. It's basically going to be like kind of another update of Devilman, imagining Devilman in kind of the, the modern day. But with this style, that's uh, with Hosono style, more of a throwback for sure. But hey, yeah, another interesting interpretation of Devilman coming off of like Cryberry like five years ago now. Man, it's just, can't believe it's been so long. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Hopefully uh, we'll, we can get a license of this too. Now, Tale of the Outcasts anime recently came out, and I'm sad that it's not been more well-received, but, you know, if you've listened to me, Sakaki, and Vilor talk about it on Saturday Night Shoggy, we really enjoyed it, and we really enjoyed the series. And the manga, uh, in tie-in to this new anime, is gonna have its own, like, special series continuation on Sunday Webry called Tale of the Outcast The Flame Knight. It's begun as of January 8th, and it's just gonna be, like, a special mini series that's about Marbus and Mysterious journey to search for Marbus's former veterans and it's basically going to explore some of Marbus's past with like a girl he used to know who he had a contract with before and that he made a promise to that he couldn't keep and now he gets a chance to keep it and kind of confront an old enemy so that sounds pretty cool. Tale of the Outcast was a short and sweet series at only eight volumes so I'm glad to see a little more added on to it a little more expansion of it and even more history delved into in terms of Marvis's past. So excited for this. Hopefully we will get a license of this uh, when it gets compiled into book form by Seven Seas. 
Now, in terms of other series that have had, uh, you know, new continuations uh, come up recently, True Love Rue got a new one-shot on January 13th by Kentaro Yabuki that was published on Shonen Jump Plus. Uh, we did not get this on Manga Plus uh, yet. We'll, we'll see. Maybe Seven Seas will include it in a, a future release of theirs. But yeah, it's a new True Love Rue one-shot. So if you've been missing the series for the past... Well, it ended in 2017, so six years. Uh, there you go. You have, like, a new story to enjoy. Now, another series that has been, like, very hotly anticipated in terms of, like, anime adaptation uh, is ZOM 100. And, of course, you know, Harasa has been already very popular and beloved for Alice in Borderland, in addition to that series. And they are going to be coming up with their next series soon, teaming up with Mano Sakamoto and Tatsunari Iota. They are making a new manga called Sex Chan that's going to be published on the Comic Moa manga website. Asu is drawing the storyboards of the manga, where Sakamoto is drawing the art, and Iota is credited for the original work, which usually means, like, they are the writer and original concept maker. And uh, it's going to be published under DMM's Gigatoon Studio web label, and it's basically going to be an omnibus story about the sexual lives of women. The first story is going to focus on a girl, a woman who lives a very active and uninhibited sex life, but whose number of partners has submission over time, so she's starting to use dating apps to find partners. So that's kind of an interesting purpose and concept. I mean, certainly uh, in ZOM 100, Haruaso does lean into the etchy realm, but as far as how he writes characters, you know, his characters are generally well-written, but he's not really the writer of the series, so I don't know what necessarily to expect of how Iota is going to be handling the writing of this, but it's certainly an interesting premise, and uh, I'm curious to see how it turns out, especially, you know, again, with the pedigree of Asso and how excellent his previous series are. It is definitely one to keep an eye on. Now, uh, in terms of other authors who are coming out with, like, new works, Kei Sasaka, who is best known famously, infamously for Domestic Girlfriend, but also for a good ending, which uh, has much more good reception, uh, or at least less mixed reception. They are coming out with their next manga, which temporarily has the title of Is It Okay If We Live Together, in the next issue of Grand Jamucha on February 21st. And it's going to be about a young man who lives in a shared house together with five beautiful women with special circumstances. So it's kind of another one of those like shared house rom-com type manga. Kind of akin to something like a Love Hina or Quintessential Contemplates kind of thing. So we'll see how this leads on the spectrum of how Sasaka writes. Whether it'll be more into the, the sweeter side of romances uh, in terms of good ending or it'll be more on the salacious side like Domestic Girlfriend. If nothing else, I'm sure it's going to be very interesting and much talked about when it comes out. Other creators who are returning with new works soon include Mingo Ito, best known for Use to the Pet Wet. They are launching their next series in Nakayoshi called Money Compass in the March issue, which is out on February 3rd. And this is centered on a second year middle school student who loves to shop and one day finds a lucky bag of random clothing at a western style store that has contents inside worth 30,000 yen but is being sold for just 3,000 yen. So in US dollars that'd be like $227 versus $22.7. So she buys it and she's excited to see if she's going to end up with a dope deal but uh, it doesn't seem that way. And basically it's going to be like a somewhat of an edutainment manga. It's a manga that will like teach readers lessons about money you're not going to learn at home or at school. 
So I think that's interesting. Like, Use of the Pet Wet itself was like somewhat of a more edutainment series for like younger readers. So I think this is going to be similar way, just about like learning about money and economics for younger readers. So I think that's uh, very much welcome. And younger readers definitely very much would need it. And heck, a lot of older readers do. Uh-huh, so I'm uh-huh. definitely uh, interested in checking this out for sure. Another great children creator who's coming out with a new work soon is Minami Mizuno, who is best known for Rainbow Days. They are going to launch a new work in Basatsu Margaret called Welcome to the Bruising Dorm, which will be out in the Marchishima Margaret on February 13th. It's going to be about five high school boys with different personalities living in a dormitory and about various incidents that happen as the boys experience love and spend beautiful days together. So, I think kind of like uh, Play It Cool Guys, or a series in that way, and just kind of like a slice of life about this group of guys and friends, you know, uh, exploring love and exploring their youth, which I think sounds pretty sweet. And yeah, this is another series to look out for. And Rainbow Days, of course, was just recently announced to be licensed by Viz back uh, just last year. And uh, I think it just recently came out as of the fall. So yeah, if you've really been enjoying Rainbow Days uh, as it just came out, definitely go check out this series when it gets published and hopefully uh, licensed for English soon. Actually, yeah, that leads me to a plug. I just remembered V-Lord reviewed the first volume of Rainbow Days uh, on the website. So go check that out if you want to learn more about that series and get a recommendation for it. And yeah, hopefully that'll also build anticipation for Mizunu's next work when that gets published too. Uh, another author returning with a new series is Kensuke Koba. They are teaming up with uh, Shumai Kogeta and Omi Omi to launch a new series called Even a Small Time Princess Wants to Live, How to Survive an Execution by Sweet Talking on the Gangan online app. It's already out at the time of listening to this. This manga is about a princess who is disliked by others for her appearance. You know, it's another one of those reincarnated as a villainous type series. She remembers that she is in a game world called Resident Fantasia. She remembers that she was originally a high school girl and an avid player of this game in her past life. And she remembers that, you know, her character, Cecilia, is going to be executed in three years' time in the game story. So she's got to avoid her grim fate. She needs to call on her gaming skills and use her guile for Hime play, which is a slam term for using a girl's cute avatar and beautiful appearance to get male players to protect and give you items for free. So basically she's going to use her looks to outwit and convince like other characters in this game, the male characters in particular, to kind of help her out. So I think this uh, sounds like a fun like girl boss villains princess type manga. And uh, I liked what I read of Can't Stop Cursing You. So I'm interested in checking this one out too. Sho Makura, who is best known for Hell Teacher Nubei, is also coming out with a new series. It actually launched on the Grand Jump Now section of Nico Nico on December 28th. It's called Millionaire Hero in Another World Defeated Enemies Turned into Gold Nuggets and so My Money Powers Unparalleled. So, yeah, the writer of Hell Teacher Mugay is also getting into the Reincarnate Another World <laughs> type story realm, which is interesting. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of a classic premise uh, for these kind of series. Like, a man gets hit by a truck, gets reincarnated in another world, he only got one skill. In this case, the skill is that he can defer 
Kirby turn his defeated opponents into gold nuggets. So you could basically like basically you know how you get rewards after beating enemies in a JRPG. Basically, literally when you defeat your enemies, uh, they turn into <laughs> the money. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, he he starts off as like the weakest and poorest of the poor, but you know because of this power, he becomes the strongest and richest hero. So yeah. Occurs the original story and the art is going to be provided by Ken Azarashi. So yeah, I mean, I like Hell Teacher Nube a lot. So I'm, of course, interested in this new work. I mean, it does fall into the similar kind of trappings and uh, kind of plot setup of most reincarnated underworld type stories. But I think that there could be fun kind of amusing elements to the fact that he's like literally <laughs> commodified his enemies after defeating them. So. Like, literally, you beat your enemies and that turns into a reward of itself. So, you know, that's that's interesting. I'm going to see how that one turns out. Now, Junji Ito is returning with a new short manga series in February as well. And they are going to be publishing this series called, you know, bi-monthly Junji Ito, starting in the next issue of Nemuki Plus on February 13th. Nemuki Plus itself is a bi-monthly magazine. And yeah, it's, you know, just going to be new short stories from Junji Ito. So, you know, that's really cool and great to see that, uh, you know, we're going to get another regular string of new series from him, you know, just coinciding with, of course, the Junji Ito Maniac anime that's going to be on Netflix uh, by the time you're listening to this as well. So we're getting a lot of new Junji Ito at the beginning of this year. Now we're going to move into series that are going to be ending or have announced like details for ending soon. And the first series we'll talk about here is Pandora and the Crimson Shell that's entered its final arc. It's been going on for over 10 years now. This is the series that is done by Masame Shiro, uh, Masamune Shiro of Ghost and Shell fame, and Koshi Rikto of Excel Saga fame. And I even though I'm a fan of both of those creators, I've mainly heard mixed things about Pandora and the Crimson Shell, leaning into kind of the uh, more worse elements of kind of their writing style, particularly in like their penchant for uh, sexualization and stuff so I haven't really uh, engaged too much with it past the first volume but it's interesting to hear that this works this team up between these creators is uh, gonna be heading to its ending soon so it's like quite an interesting publication history too kind of moving on from platform to platform magazine to magazine so yeah I'm curious to, to see how it'll pan out and of course this is a series that's continuing to be published by Seven Seas so it'd be interesting to finally kind of give it another chance and go through it again uh, when the series reaches its conclusion. Now, uh, in terms of series that don't quite have its ending planned out soon, just like uh, Pandora, Gage Akatami recently hinted in a written statement at Jump Fest in 23 that, you know, the manga probably will end within one year. He basically wrote that uh, if you accompany me for up to one more year, probably I'll be very happy. So basically that hints that the series he plans to end it within one year, which based on the events of the manga recently, I could buy it heading towards uh, a conclusion or into its end game, but... But we'll see, obviously, many a manga creator underestimate how long it actually takes to complete telling their stories. But it definitely seems that Akutami has their mind on the ending. Now, serious that uh, we know concretely where they're going to end, Excuse Me Dentist and Touching Me has ended as of its 67th chapter. 
I, you know, really enjoy the series. I need to catch up on it and read it through the ending. But yeah, it uh, reached an ending. And from what I've heard from people who are more up to date than me, you know, it makes sense, the stopping point. But also it feels like, you know, there was could have been potential for more exploration, more sitting, because the dynamic between the central characters just recently kind of changed in a big way, so they could have sat with that more. But regardless, the series was one that I found consistently entertaining and enjoyable, so looking forward to seeing how it concludes. Uh, another series that will be ending soon, we know when it'll be ending, is Adachin Shimamura. The novels are going to be ending with its 12th volume, then after about a healthy 10-year run since it's launched in 2013. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading the ending of the series, whether it be in the novel or manga form. I've enjoyed the early part of the series in the anime, so really interested in seeing how this one wraps up as well. In terms of other light novels coming to a conclusion soon, this is a favorite of uh, many of our friends. Uh, Ascendance of a Books Forum. It's going to approach its conclusion in 2023. We don't know quite yet when the final volume will be, like whether it'll be the next volume, the 33rd volume, or a later one, but it does seem like the series will reach its ending uh, this year. And yeah, this is a series that's very well beloved by a lot of our friends. Uh, Critically received, published by J Novel Club, one that I've been meaning to get into for a long time. And now with it coming to an end soon, I think that I will make it an effort to jump into it later this year. In terms of uh, some interesting uh, other newer kind of uh, debuts to pay attention to and that are related to like light novels and stuff, Kadokawa president Tatsuo Sato is uh, writing his own novel called I'm a Lazy Bum, but after I met a mysterious middle school girl, my side business got on this talk exchange. So basically he's writing his own light novel, his own novel uh, about starting a publishing business after encountering a middle school girl. So yeah, it's interesting that the president of Katakawa is like writing his own new novel. It's basically uh, starting serialization as of last month. And it has uh, illustrations, cover art illustrations from the artist of the Haruhisu Sumiya book, Sonosui Ito. And it's being edited by the editor of SAO, Kazuma Miki. And it's been very well received uh, by other industry bigwigs. And, you know, uh, they like the main character and they like the leadership skills and strategies expressed in the book. And, you know, yeah, it seems that it's interesting. It seems that not only uh, can the Kanakawa president, you know, or former Kanakawa president, rather, be successful in publishing light novels and works of others, uh, he's a talented writer in his own right, apparently. I'd be very much interested in reading the series, if it were ever to be, and hopefully it will be, licensed and published over here. Uh, in terms of like things that can sag us into kind of what we'll be talking about when it comes to new licenses, the Japanese South Korean collaborative remake vertical webtoon of Dororo has recently launched. It's called Doro Reverse. It's being done by Lee Do-gyong, who is doing the script and storyboards. The first 21 chapters are available on the Mikoma manga website in Japan and on South Korea on the Hakao Hage platform. And after the South Korean serialization concludes, uh, it'll have a global release in North America, China, and Europe. And basically, this is like a modern update of Doro that moves it from feudal Japan to the modern day, you know, where yokai and criminals conspire with each other in the shadows to control a new form of magical science. 
And, you know, Hakimaru in this series is still seeking his body parts uh, hundreds of years later. And he encounters a new boy, a boy named Roro, who, you know, bears an uncanny resemblance to Doro. So, you know, he gets to reunite with a version of his old friend in the modern day. And his adventure continues and maybe concludes in the modern day. So that's an interesting take, interesting new interpretation of the Doro mythos. And as a fan of the series and characters, I'm very much looking forward to checking this out when the global, the English version begins serialization. Now we're going to move on to Kodansha news, that Gosega's Endure Licensing news. So, uh, in terms of big updates, uh, Kodansha's Evening Magazine has ended publication after 22 years. Its final issue will be the 6th 2023 issue that'll be out on February 28th. Some of the manga currently in the magazine are migrating to comic days after the magazine suspends publication, but this is a big deal because this magazine published a lot of uh, pretty big series. In terms of currently running series, there's a, you know, Crusher Joe uh, series that's currently still being run in there, uh, as well as a Kondaichi series. But, you know, in the past, it's also published works like Inuyashiki, Lovely Muku, Alrounder Meguru, Last Gender and Raw Hero. So a lot of big series, a lot of very popular series have run through this magazine. So it's quite a surprising cancellation for this magazine to be discontinued. But that I think just shows a shift in the industry in terms of manga magazine readership and just where the platforms for series are going. We're gravitating things more into the online space. In terms of other cadential things that are ending, uh, Space Brothers, it's in its final stage. It's ending its plan soon, basically its final arc. And, you know, uh, I would be very excited to read that as I would be, uh, well, not as excited, but, you know, I've invested time into it. Uh, at this point, I will read it to the end. Eden Zero is also, like, <laughs> entering its final arc. It's also going to be heading into its endgame soon. As is Cardcaptor Sakura Clear Card. Its final volume is slated for fall this year. It's also going to be ending its serialization soon. All these series uh, have the cadential simulpubs, simulpubs that you could have been keeping up and following. I have. But, um... Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like we'll be able to read them through to the end, at least not on the platforms that they've currently been on in terms of Ozki and Crunchyroll and places like that that were like hosting these simulpubs because uh, Kadansha has recently removed most of its simulpub titles from Crunchyroll and Ozki. I mean, from Crunchyroll itself, they're completely removing many of its titles that they had run as simulpubs. Like the entire runs of them will be leaving Crunchyroll manga on January 31st. From Oski's point of view, they're just removing the simulpub chapters, but that's uh, still quite a hefty sum of chapters. It's still like nearly two years worth of chapters in some cases. So, you know, and entire runs of some series, World of Summon completely is going to be gone from Oski and Crunchyroll. So that'll be a big loss. But basically, you know, as Oski stated, as uh, Kanantra stated, this is like because of a policy change, Kanantra's end, that's going to affect all the platforms they distribute on. Kadansha said that they are reassessing the distribution of its English language chapter-based content, and they'll share updates on the exact nature of this reassessment at a future date. Speculation right now, at least on my end, is that they might be looking into launching their own service, their own app for their simulpubs. That's what I think too, yeah. Which would be interesting, because like this kind of total recall, yeah, it seems that they really want to, I think, start publishing their stuff under their own umbrella after having the strategy of like having their stuff available on every platform. I think maybe now they're going to try, okay, now we want like our own platform where our stuff is exclusively on. 
So yeah, I'm interested in seeing if that's the case and when that will launch if true. But for, you know, people who have strived to control manga and Oski, specifically to follow Kodansha Silent Pubs, this is a huge loss. A lot of series are being removed outright or like entire big chunks of series are going to be gone. Um, maybe added again over time as they keep up with volume releases, but still, it's going to be a big loss of chapters at the end of the month. Like these series will be removed, these chapters will be removed on January 31st. On Oski's end, at least, they say that... You know, even though they're losing these simulpubs, uh, they have more announcements regarding simulpubs in the coming months for, you know, fans to look forward to. So it seems that they have more simulpubs that they have been working on on releasing soon. But I am going to be waiting in anticipation to find out when we'll be able to follow Cyberpunk for the series again as part of its subscription-based service, if we will be able to in the near future. So yeah, it's a big, big shakeup that uh, affects a lot of series, and I'm sure it's going to accept uh, many readers uh, in the short term and maybe still in the long term. But yeah, probably it's something that we should have anticipated since the removal of series like Four Nights of the Apocalypse, the discontinuation of those simulpubs earlier last year. So it's a big shake up. I'm, I'm gonna be curious to see how it'll shake out. But at the very least, you know, Oski has future cyberpunk plans that they are working on. But Crunchyroll in the short term has added a new simulpub, which ironically is for also from Kadansha, which is like, okay, a bunch of Kadansha is being removed, but they are getting a new Kadansha title starting up as well. But uh, kind of the Great Snow Sea, which is a new uh, series from uh, Sutomo Nihei as like the original story creator and the manga version is drawn by Toei Yakamoto, who is the illustrator of uh, The Beast Player. That manga uh, recently launched in uh, Kananja's Monthly Shonen Series back in February 2022, and the anime just started airing this season. And yeah, you can read the manga version now on Crunchyroll. And presumably more chapters are going to come soon. I don't know if it'll be coming soon as a simulpub. I assume Crunchyroll is able to get this license uh, for this manga because they are like a co-producer on the anime. So they might have had a deal that also gave them access to the manga. But yeah, I'm at the very least, with so many Kanacha titles and simulpubs leaving uh, Crunchyroll soon, there'll at least be this one to compensate and take its place. Well, I don't know if one title can take the place of uh, 16 removing titles, but hopefully it's like the start of uh, a bunch of new titles Kadansha will, or Crunchyroll will add to accommodate and make up for the removal of all that Kadansha catalog. But yeah, in addition to that, let's talk about some other licenses for other like manga platforms. Manga Planet has licensed some new series, uh, three new titles, and new volumes of two manga series uh, from all of Japan. The new titles they've licensed include uh, Magan to Danga Wo, Sukate Isekai Wo Bunchichu, Kojin Tamer and Kamiyama-san no Kamibukuro no Nakaniwa. And the new volumes of their kind of catalog titles that they've added is uh, new volumes of Loser General, Gets Beaten Once Again, Volumes 3 and 4, and uh, the sixth volume of I'm a High Schooler but I Came in Order of a Castle in Another World. So Manga Planet continuing to add some new, basically Isekai, Another World type story manga stuff and add on to existing catalog of those titles. And then Manga Hot similarly has added a, a lot of new titles on its website and app, including uh, The War of Greedy Witches, which is a series by Homura Kawamoto of Kakigure fame and Makoto Shiozuka. 
and they're also publishing Hirohisa Sato's Shigehime. And uh, yeah, the War Greedy Witches, the synopsis of that series is that it's about Joan of Arc, who was, you know, sentenced to the debt and burned at the stake. But before the moment of her death, a demon sent her to another world where she found 32 women from across history, you know, as witches. And, you know, with the addition of the final witch, uh, Wolf's Prisnock begins. And, you know, it's basically a battle of uh, these witches, these famous women throughout history, which I think is a fun premise. I mean, this idea of like these historical figures are witches uh, in the moment of their debt or demise. And then the involvement of something called a Walpurgis Night is like, oh, this is a uh, this is really reminiscent of Monica here. But you know, I always am down for historical reimagining battle royale type series, kind of like Record of Ragnarok and stuff like that. So they are adding that series, and then Shigahime that they're adding is a story about a guy called Asama Hirota, who's a high school student who was enjoying his like Amos ordinary life until a student from town next door takes him to a mysterious mansion, and inside is a like, a woman who calls herself Miwako, and now he can never go back to his boring life, and uh, the curtain opens on a very dark suspense story. But yeah, these are two new additions to their catalog. And yeah, it's pretty cool. I think I'm very interested in, of course, Kawamoto's new series, as someone who enjoys their work a lot. But the series by Hirota also looks, it's a sinful drama type. So definitely curious about that one as well. Now we'll uh, move on to some new print uh, licenses from different publishers, including a new license from Starfruit. Yeah, for sure. So I thought this license was interesting. Starfruit Books announced that they have licensed and will be releasing H2O Image, the story of Jura City, and H2O Concept by Fujiwara Kamui. The first of these three volumes will be out this year in June. An interview with the author will be added to Volume 1, and when you pre-order, it'll come with a free postcard, which is pretty cool. So Starfruit doesn't really give us like a plot synopsis for this. And so I was kind of curious about this. So I, I tried looking up something about this series and I couldn't really find like a whole lot of info on it other than this is a series from like 1984, 1985, somewhere in that ballpark. So it's a pretty old series and apparently is like a fantasy sci-fi kind of thing. According to manga updates, uh, the categories listed under this are future, post-apocalyptic and telepathy. So this is about as much as I could find on the series. I don't really know exactly what the story's about. I'm not even sure like what demographic this would be under, because as far as I could tell, it ran in a couple different magazines. So honestly, I, at first I thought this might be like a shoujo manga, just kind of judging from the art. But even then, I'm, that's just a total guess on my part. This could be a seinen manga for all I know, but or even a shonen manga. Who knows? Yeah, the style isn't really a big teller. Actually, it doesn't really look too much like shoujo at the time, I don't feel. But it definitely does feel like it's part of this trend in the 80s of like psychic battle manga or psychic a manga focused on psychics, kind of like Mind of Psychic Girl. So that's interesting. And it's cool that Starfood is uh, kind of reached back to publish like kind of an underrated gem from the 80s. So very much looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure. So just on the fact that there's like so little info about this series out right now, it makes me more interested in like checking this out eventually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think these are the coolest kind of licenses. It's like, again, series that are so under the radar, there's barely any information in the English manga community sphere. So yeah, I appreciate being able to kind of dig up hidden gems like this. And I'm very excited to check it out. 
Similarly, talking about like other cool indie type manga releases from other publishers coming soon. Fontographics has licensed Minami's Lover by Shingoku Uchida for a hardcover release on June 27th, 2023. They describe it as a raunchy, moving, funny manga for adults about like a high school student, his girlfriend who, you know, stinks down to six inches tall and moves in with him. And uh, it was originally a serialized in an underground alternative manga magazine, you know, Garo and the 80s. It was adapted for TV several times. It was apparently a Japanese pop culture sensation. It's the story of two high schoolers' romantic relationship. Um, you know, when one shrinks down, uh, the six is tall, and uh, everyone else thinks that the girl has disappeared and thinks that Minami, the main character, is the boyfriend, uh, has nothing to do with it. But, you know, as she moves in with him, and uh, the art of the series is like loose, and it has a lot of zipatone textures, and, you know, it's just about a bunch of very unusual circumstances about, like, you know, adjusting to the fact that this girl is now just six inches tall and, like, how she basically goes about her daily life, like, doing things like using toilet and brushing her teeth and hair and then the glasses and stuff like that. So it's a bunch of, you know, silly sequences of trial and error and uh, apparently they even figure out their sex life in the state, too. So uh, they navigate logistic jealousy and a cat uh, and they're growing up. You know, it's a coming age story still. So, yeah, it's the Conceit of a teen couple literally learning how to take care of one another while examining gender dynamics and intimacy. So it seems like a really interesting series for very interesting territory. And indeed, uh, the series was adapted to live action TV many a time in 1990, 1994, 2004, as recently as 2015. There was even a spin-off manga as recently as January uh, 2013 with a verse premise in which like the, the guy, Minami, is the one who shrinks down as sold from the perspective of the female Ishiomi. So that's pretty interesting. And yeah, it's a series that uh, ran just from the mid-80s and it's a short, sweet series and definitely, you know, very reminiscent of something like um, Midori Days or even most recently Ichigoki's Under Control. If you're a fan of this kind of interesting subgenre of titles, this seems like it could be perhaps the biggest inspiration or progenitor of them with, you know, its pretty prominence in um, Japanese pop culture. And it's cool that we're finally getting the manga version in English. And I'm definitely keen to check it out because it sounds uh, really fun, experimental, and interesting in how it explores this topic and the themes that are in. So very, very cool. Now, for fans of a more recent manga and, you know, recently very popular creators, uh, Ablaze has a really exciting title for you. Yes, so Ablaze is going to be publishing a work from Ryo Sumiyoshi, who listeners of this podcast may know as the author of such series as Our Torso's a Line, Human Monster Love, and Ashidaka the Iron Hero, amongst many other things. His newest series coming from Ablazed is uh, Centaurs, the first volume of which is going to be coming out on July 11th, 2023. Centaurs is basically, as it says in the copy here, an epic fantasy adventure set in an alternate medieval Japan where humans coexist with the mythic half-man, half-horse beast known as Centaurs, or Jinba, quote-unquote. A wild and proud samurai Jinba from the mountains named Matsukaze, known as the red-headed rock tiger, is caught while protecting his son. He is traded to a feudal lord and taken to his land. There he meets another centaur named Kohibari, whose village was burned down as a child. 
He is a tame centaur who had his arms amputated when he was captured and has given up hope of escaping his human captors. If they can get over their differences and work together, they just might be able to return to the wild as free centaurs. And, you know, I'm sure we've mentioned this before when we brought up Sumiyoshi, but Sumiyoshi was also an animal designer for the first two seasons of the Golden Kamui anime. And just looking at the cover of centaurs, you know, that's pretty evident. Like, his sort of inhuman sort of monster animal designs from what I've seen are always really, really interesting. So this series in particular definitely seems to, like, lend to that talent of his. Absolutely. I mean, really good at drawing like bestial designs in his work. So I think that this subject matter really fits him. And the design of the center on the first cover is, you know, really evocative and detailed and really strong. So I'm definitely keen to check this out because, you know, again, his monster designs, his bestial designs are really, really good. So very, very talented artist. Those are like some one-off new additions from some of the smaller publishers. Now let's get on to some licensing announcements from some of the bigger ones. We got some new licenses from Yen Press, including a new novel that they're publishing from Hanobu Yonezawa, which is an award-winning novel called Black Dungeon Castle. It will come out in June 2023. It is set in the winter of 1578, four years prior to the Hanoji incident, and about the aftermath of Araki Murashige betraying Oda Nobunaga and holding up an Arioka castle, uh, and encountering a string of strange incidents within the castle that uh, gets him at his wit's end. So his only hope in solving these mysteries is imprisoned in the castle's dungeon, and he has to get a man named Kuroda Kanbei, one of Oda's gifted strategists, to help him out. So will the conflict intrigue reach their end? And uh, what does both uh, Murashi and Kuroda each have up their sleeves? So interesting psychological horror thriller that won the Naoki Prize and the Futaro Yamada Award and ranked number one in like the Kona Mystery Gasugoi. Uh, many, many like guidebooks ranking like the best new mystery books in 2022. It was like the first book to place number one in all four uh, of the rankings of like these different like guidebook <laughs> listings of Mystery Gayomita, Shukan Bushi Mystery, Kona Mystery, and uh, Kaku Mystery. So it also ranked number one in the Reshiki Jirai Shutsutsu Best this is a new work from Hioka, which is also a great like horror thriller series and got adapted in a really good anime about 10 years ago that you know I've enjoyed what I've seen of. So I'm definitely curious about this one, especially with its reputation, its acclaim and pedigree. So yeah, definitely, definitely one to check out for if you're a fan of just good historical mystery thrillers. But uh, if you're looking for other types of novels, more light novels and manga, William Presolza has you covered because They've licensed the light novel adaptation of Suzume Makoto Shinkai's newest film, which is about a girl who lives with her on a quiet port town and encounters a young man looking for a door that follows him and uh, finds a ruin in the mountains. And standing alone amid collapsed walls in this world, it's like a single old white door. And if it's pulled by an invisible force, she reaches her hand out to open it. And then doors begin opening up one after another across Japan. And uh, they have to close them all before disaster crosses over from the other side of them. So yeah, Suzumi's journey is to do it just that. And if you enjoy the film or if you you know want a companion piece to the film, this novel will definitely serve you well in that. Another light novel coming out soon is Our Last Crusade or The Rise of the New World from Kei Sazani is the story 
and Hao Nakanabe as the artist. And uh, this is the first volume of a series of short stories set in the world of Our Last Crusade. And they include like anecdotes about some of the various characters having sleepover, as well as like the first encounter of the characters of Iskanala. So if you're a fan of the series and want some more light novels and side stories, this is one to check out. Similarly, uh, if you're a fan of uh, The Devil is a Part-Timer, you should check out the official anthology comic manga that is being written by Satoshi Wakahara with art by Akio Hiragi. And yeah, basically, like, if you're a fan of the series, about the characters also doing, like, kind of uh, slicey, like, shenanigans, like, booking wedding venues and buying swimsuits and getting washed up on a deserted island. And it's drawn by a lineup of different artists and fans of the series. And uh, they may be canon, they may not be, but they're basically, like, what-ifs that are set during the events of the story. And uh, in terms of the other, like, kind of anthology spin-off thing of popular series, Konosuba has a new spin-off light novel called Fantastic Days coming out, written by Natsumi Akatsuki, with character designs by Kurone Mishima, art by Hirokuma, and original concept by Sumzap. And it's basically, you know, about Kazuma and his party helping a team of aspiring dancers, fighting former generals of the Demon King, and even more, like, adventures and side stories based on the Fantastic Days game, which some new content that you didn't get from the story of the game too. Another novel to look out for is Luke's Throw You Need, written by Ghost Mikawa and art by Nakomi, about a private arts academy where geniuses in every field gather, but, you know, in reality, looks decide the student's success and not talent, and, you know, the protagonist's sister is a shut-in who can't do anything without him, and thought that, you know, her lack of charisma would doom her, but they had a secret, and, you know, behind her mask, she is the secret sensation in V Singer, and her voice is one of a kind, but is it going to be enough to overcome? Overcome the social order of this school. So a girl with kind of a hidden double identity on the internet who is very popular online, maybe not so popular offline, and will she be able to fit in and climb the social ladder of this school? It seems that it could have some interesting potential, but you know, if looks are really what decides like the popularity, I mean, if this is the design of the character, I mean, I don't know if that, that means... I, I don't understand why she wouldn't be popular because she looks perfectly pretty and fine. But, you know, it's manga rules and logic. But anyway, uh, in terms of new manga getting licensed, we got Secrets of the Silent Witch, story by Monster Isura, character designs by Nana Fujimi, and art by Toby Tana. Basically about a girl known as the Silent Witch, Monica Everett. She's the only mage in the work who can use unchanted magecraft, but underneath all these fancy titles, you know, she's just a really shy girl. And she learned, like, this magecraft specifically, so she didn't have to speak in public. So it's really talented but she has zero confidence and now she's been tasked with infiltrating a prestigious academy and murdering the kingdom's second prince so how is she gonna survive and yeah that this sounds like a cute premise you know another one of, of these kind of series that's about kind of an introverted type girl who's like you know seemingly very popular but like just so socially shy but this has the twist of like being set in a fantasy setting and involving like magic and witches and witchcraft and uh, that's uh, fun and I think that the character design looks really good uh, I really like the texture design of the clothing in particular and yeah this sounds like a really like fun one to pay attention to
Now for my furry friends out there, fans of relationships between human and uh, more beastly creatures and gentlemen, uh, you can check out My Mate is a Feline Gentleman by Arata Asane. Basically about a guy who is hired as a servant for like a cat type beast man uh, diplomat named Alex and he thinks he's going to be treated like a sex object and scared of serving a beast man. But, you know, he finds out that Alex is uh, surprised with the treatment of Omegas in Japan and no one has ever been kinder to him. So his feelings begin to change. So, oh, this is also a, a Megaverse series as well. So covering a lot of different beasts there. You know, if you're a fan of like human beast romances, furry, like cat character designs, and uh, the Megaverse, you know, this is a BL romance to check out. Another manga to look forward to is Saint Nope. Just a monster tamer passing through, written by Unumajin and art by Itatoi, about a girl so gifted with magic that people swear up and down she's the second coming of a saint. But when it comes time for her to choose a job, she settles on monster taming? Well, in truth, she is the reincarnation of a friendless one from another world. So to make up for last time, she's setting up a quest to gather as many fluffy creatures as she can get her hands on. So this is a fun twist on a reincarnated another world type series, you know, about a girl who was very lonely in her previous life. And now she's taking the chance of being reincarnated in another world to, you know, have a second chance of companionship. And she's chosen her way to do that is like to gather up like many fluffy creatures, furry friends and pets to take care of and give her comp so yeah i think that sounds like a fun charming little premise and take on the reincarnated in another world type premise and the last new manga announcement from Yen Press to talk about is The Reformation of the World as overseen by the Realist Demon King, which is written by Ryosuke Hata with art by Manatsu Suzuki. Basically about a demon king who has been reincarnated in Strangerland and has the mission to unite the world under his banner and reform its chaotic base. He's the youngest of all the demon kings and his forces are weaker than his rivals, but he's not going to hesitate to use all of his at his disposal to achieve victory. So he wields unheard of resourcefulness and tactics to shape the fate of the world for all who live under his reign. This is similar to a few other series that are focused on like kind of demon lords like doing reformations of a kingdom or like kind of leading through strategy kind of consolidation uh, of a territory. So to me it's this is one that I have to hear a little more about of like how this one is differentiated from others of its vein. Like there's an like another series that is also about a realist character quote unquote. So we will see how this one pans out. But uh, yeah, I'm curious about it. And just one final thing to talk about, since we talked about it earlier in the show, The Summer Hikaru Died by Mokuren is uh, coming out by Impress physically and usually in July 2023. We just got an update on that. So yeah, just some cool yen uh, licensing announcements to check in on. So some cool stuff to look forward to. So we're going to cut it there for licenses for now, and then we'll touch back in with some of the things we may have missed in our next episode. Now we want to get into some big uh, industry shakeups or industry-related shakeups. This is sort of has to do with licenses. This first thing we'll talk about here is that, you know, after a couple of years now of just being $2 a month, $1.99 a month, Shonen Jump subscription price has been raised to $2.99, just a dollar up, which, you know, still pretty good deal. Three bucks a month to access to, like, hundreds of titles. I mean, the amount of content has only continued to grow and grow uh, since the service launched, so still an incredible deal. I think the, the bigger, maybe more 
frustrating thing probably is going to be like the fact that subscription payments can no longer be made through PayPal uh, as of January 17th. And so, so you can't really make your payments through the website anymore. You have to do it through the app. So for some people, it's going to be a little more frustrating. But in terms of just the price raise itself, I think it's pretty fair with the amount of value the service provides. And also, you know, keeping up with inflation and all that, it was uh, kind of inevitable that the $2 price point wouldn't last forever. So I am all in favor of this. And I certainly think that it's still a great deal for any manga lover. Now, instead of the Shonen Jump app being less than a McDouble, now it costs a bit more than a McDouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we just wanted to touch on that. And actually, uh, we'll actually close up on some of the bigger industry news a little bit later. We'll come back to that because it's some big stuff that we'll close the show on. Let's actually get into some interest news that we think is a little bit timely, uh, worth talking about now, rather than saving for next time, because they're coming up pretty soon. So first up, you know, the second SAO progressive film will be released in theaters on February 3rd. It'll be, you know, shown across the US and Canada then. And yeah, there'll also be, you know, additional dates in other countries and territories around the same time and in the future. And of course, it'll be shown both Southern Dubs. So I really enjoyed the first progressive film. And if you haven't checked it out, it's also streaming on Crunchyroll now. But you know, it does, it really does wonders how refocusing the story on Asuna makes SAO just all the more enjoyable. So I appreciated it. And I'm actually really looking forward to checking out the second one too. Moving on from that, in terms of other things, I look forward to coming soon. Uh, a film that we can stream soon, uh, I'm definitely really looking forward to watching. Yeah, and that is going to be Lupin the Third versus Cat's Eye. Uh, we mentioned on the show before that this is going to be a crossover between the characters of Lupin the Third and Cat's Eye in 3D CG, and that is going to be coming out on Amazon on January 27th, so probably pretty shortly by the time you're listening to this. It's coming out very soon. I am watching the trailer right now as we speak, and um, it looks a little better than the teaser did, but I am going to wait and watch this in full before I give any, like, final judgments on it. But I'm, I'm still looking forward to checking this out, seeing how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that they are using a version of the Lupin gang in terms of design, in terms of like the pink jacket and stuff, you know, that is of the same time period, you know, the cat's eye originally came out of in like the 80s and stuff. So it's like, oh, here's how the crossover uh, might have looked like and gone if it was produced back when these series were concurrent. So I appreciate that. And, you know, I think the CG animation, the designs, the style, it looks good in some areas. I'm not as old as in others, but regardless, you know, as a fan of the series I'm just really excited for this crossover and seeing how it plays out I just actually hope um, you know based on the trailer I hope they actually <laughs> actually have the versus element you know they're competing to steal something because it really does not indicate that as well uh, how deeply they'll be interacting and communicating but uh, I hope it is like more on the level of like the Lupin versus Conan film rather than the Lupin versus Conan special where it was like they briefly met each other in that special like uh, from time Time to time, but it wasn't like really they were versus each other. Whereas in the film version, Lupin versus Conan, yeah, they actually did like have a battle of wits thing there. So yeah, 
Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Actually, speaking of Conan, uh, something else that we can look forward to is that on February 1st, Detective Conan, the culprit Hanzawa, a new spinoff anime based on the gag manga of the same name, will be finally coming out on Netflix worldwide. Once again, on February 1st. I'm very, very excited for this. I've been so excited to check this out ever since this got announced for an anime. I've heard so many good things about it. I've heard how funny it is. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it. And uh, hopefully, for those of you who may listen to One Podcast Prevails, uh, we'll probably do a full episode on it eventually soon after it comes out. So yeah, uh, look forward to that. Yeah, I am definitely looking forward to kind of more comedic version of Conan coming out. The opening I really enjoy. I think it's very cute. So yeah, I am very much looking forward to checking this out. But uh, moving on from Sunday to Jump, we got a bunch of Jump Festa news that I think we can just pass through. Uh, some cool new second seasons and cool new announcements of a new anime. For sure. Uh, first up, Spy Family is not only getting another season of anime, it is also getting a film. That's right. We are getting a Spy Family movie in 2023. That is basically going to be headed by the original manga creator, uh, Tatsuya Endo. He is credited with the original work and original character designs for the film, and is also just going to be overall supervising the film in general. So from what it seems like, he is very, very heavily involved in the film in particular. And I think this really just shows you how big Spy Family is. Again, that it is getting a film on top of a second season, like, so soon. Like, that really tells you, like, how many people are, like, just clamoring for more of that family. Absolutely. You know, never enough family time when it comes to Spy Family. We all want want to spy in on their lives. And uh, now we can do that on the big screen. And I'm very curious to see how that movie will do when it hits the big screen over here in the U.S. in particular. Because I can imagine we might have another big box office hit on our hands. You know, so Spy Family could make it big in America. So I'm very, very, very interested in that. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait to watch this in theaters. I'm definitely going to go check this out. But uh, next piece of news is that uh, Blue Exorcist is getting a new TV anime series. And this is interesting because from how Kazue Kato makes it sound, uh, the original manga creator, she makes it sound like that this might be like like a new series. Like this doesn't sound like it's a continuation of the last anime from what I can tell. So we don't have much more information other than that, but I'm interested in seeing how this is going to go. I wonder if they're just going to like do something completely different or even like start from the beginning again. Cause I know the first season went into anime original territory, I think like halfway through or closer to the end. Yeah. The first season had its own like original ending arc, but then the second season kind of ignored that and just, adapted the Kyoto arc, pretending like kind of the last part of the first season the anime didn't happen. So it is interesting if they're going to try and just make a cohesive remake from the start up, like Brotherhood it. Maybe. But, I mean, I feel that's a lot of content to redo. I think that they might just be better served going on to the next arc, but I'm, I'm just curious to see how they're going to handle it. But I'm looking forward to more anime of Blue Exorcist, uh, especially like with the arcs that they'll be getting into. It's some really good stuff, so really uh, looking forward to it. I was going to say, if, if this ends up just being a completely new thing, whether it be, again, their brotherhooding it, or it's just going to be like completely original material, I'll, I'll probably check it out. I really enjoyed that first Blue Exorcist anime never got around to seeing that second season but I've, I've heard i've heard good things yeah i like that kyoto arc a lot that's where the series really picked up for me reading it in the manga so yeah i just think it uh, continues to get uh, even better from there so looking forward to seeing uh, how what direction this anime takes for sure next up uh we finally got the announcement it's finally here 
Mission Yozakura family is finally getting an anime. <laughs> Yep, the utter spy family is finally getting an anime. Yes, indeed. The <laughs> discount spy family is finally getting an anime. But boneless no, spy that's, family. That's unfair. <laughs> I, we, we both enjoy the Shinyozakura family. No, Yozakura family's fine, yeah. Yeah, we've been sympathetic to the fans who've been wanting to see this anime adaption happen for a while, and it's coming in 2024. Animated by Silverlink. And, um, you know, Natsuke and I was at the event. We don't know if he's going to reprise his role as Tayo from the, you know, voice drama in 2021, but uh, that'd be cool. I'm assuming that's probably what's going to happen. I could, I could see that happening. But yeah, no, I'm happy for Yozakura family fans. I know they have been especially rabid, you know, in their attempts to try to get the manga in print. And now that's happened, basically. People really want Yozakura family. The people who love Yozakura family love Yozakura family. <laughs> um, and so I'm I'm happy that the series is finally getting an anime. Very, very early announcement, which is not something I'm used to seeing with most anime announcements. But as we're going to get into, and actually we might as well get into this with the next announcement, because they also announced this very very early so kaiju number eight is also getting an anime and not only that is going to be produced by production ig and studio kara of all places is going to be handling the kaiju designs in particular the teaser for this that's out by the way looks so good already the music already sounds super good like normally i don't expect much from anime teasers they're usually pretty like straightforward or whatever but this genuinely actually really got me excited to watch this eventually yeah no i mean uh the teaser trailer for the kaiju number eight anime looks super excited i mean you're gonna have kaiju designs from studio kara of evangelion fame like now that's that's really exciting Ooh, yeah there's gonna be some great monster designs and animation and uh it's gonna be quite a production so very 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 much anticipated mm -hmm, for sure i genuinely cannot wait to check this out Next anime adaptation that got announced at uh, Jump Festa is an adaptation of Akira Mano's newest manga, Ron Komodahashi Deranged Detective. We covered the first chapter of this a little while ago on the show and uh, thought it was pretty interesting from what we read. And, you know, again, this being a series from the creator of such series as Reborn and Eld Alive, like, I can see why they'd want to why they want to animate this. I'm sure this will really put it on the map if it hasn't already been. It looks like it's going to be produced by uh, Dio Medea. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And it's going to be directed by Shota Ihata, who is also the director of such series as Girlish Number and The Saints Magic is Omnipotent. Uh, Wataru Watari, who has written both the light novel and the anime scripts for Girlish Number, is writing this, is overseeing the series scripts, I should say. Masakazu Ishikawa is going to be adapting the character designs for animation. You may know him from his work on Squid Girl and also The Saints Magic Power is Omnipotent. And also Yosuji is going to be composing the music at Katakawa. So I'd say a pretty like solid crew there. And uh, yeah, the, the poster for this already looks pretty good. And the teaser for this didn't look too half bad either. So uh, I haven't like totally kept up with this since we covered it on the show. But like, I wouldn't mind checking out the first episode of this at least. Yeah, I also fell off on reading the Ron Kamanashi manga, but I've been meaning to catch back up to it. And yeah, I mean, I am glad to see it get an anime and I'm looking forward to seeing how that'll turn out. I think that it's pretty, pretty cool that we're getting some big Jump Plus uh, adaptation announcements. What with this and Kaiju number eight and, you know, Spy Family continuing to get new projects. So good announcements all around from things to look forward to in terms of adaptations of both Weekly Jump and Jump Plus titles. Now to move on to some like non-jump anime adaptation announcements, because I mentioned it earlier, Psalm 100 indeed uh, got the announcement that it's getting a TV anime in July. 
that'll be streamed on Hulu in the US. And it's been licensed by Viz as well. And the trailer just got put up and it looks really good. Really well animated, really exciting. And Akira is going to be played by Shuichiro Yumeda. It's going to be directed by Kazuki Kawagoe at Bug Films. And Hanako Ueda is going to be the assistant director. Hiroshi Seiko is overseeing the scripts. Tanaka is going to be character designer. Jobe Fukuchi is the zombie desire. In particular, Makoto Miyazaki is composing music. And Michael Gore has been put in charge in music selection. So perhaps uh, some interesting music licenses we'll see in the show. And uh, Duggan's going to be due to song production. So yeah, I mean, it looks really colorful, well animated, a lot of fun. I really enjoy the series. So I'm very excited to see it animated as well. So, you know, Asa has uh, been doing really well with adaptations of their works. And I think that some. 100 is going to continue that train and precedents set by Alice in Borderland. And also to touch on it, since we mentioned it early in the show, Tale of the Outcast anime is currently airing and the anime animation will indeed cover the entirety of the manga story, so we will be getting a complete adaptation of the series. So that's another thing to look forward to if you've been following that show and are a fan of the show. Now to touch upon some uh, long-running series that are entering new phases in their stories, new arcs, and new direction in the case of the latter one. So Boruto is entering an adaptation. In fact, it recently just started an adaptation of uh, the Achien, the Heavenly Stardust, the Sasuke Resident arc. And after the arc concludes, it'll begin the Code arc, which has been going on in the manga for the past uh, two-ish years. So it's finally getting into some more recent manga material. I'm actually interested if the Sasuke Retsuden adaptation in the anime will outpace the manga's version, since the manga's version is like bi-weekly, and I'm sure the anime will cover through the material at a much faster rate. But in general, I'm looking forward to it because I really have been enjoying reading the arc in the manga, so I'm really enjoying seeing how the anime handles it, handles Sasuke versus the, the dinosaur and whatnot. But uh, the code arc, well, you know, the code arc hasn't been the greatest in uh, the Boruto manga. But hey, I it's very memeable and very fun to, to make fun of code. So I'm enjoying, I'm going to enjoy seeing uh, new opportunities to make memes of the character when he gets animated and uh, that arc starts up. But uh, what I've really been, you know, paying attention to and looking forward to and have like all sorts of feelings of is Pokemon after over 25 years, nearly 26 years, it's going to be retiring Ash and Pikachu. Ash and Pikachu have reached the end of their journey after Ash won like the Pokemon World Championships in the show last year and became the top ranked trainer in the world. And the series is going to be winding down. It's currently like in a mini series called Pokemon aiming to be a Pokemon master, a basically 11 episode mini series that'll be touching back on the past of Ash and like him reuniting with his old companions. Misty and Brock traveling with him once again. You see, like, kind of journeys around. One thing that's really exciting is that he's journeying around with, like, a rotating team of his Pokemon. So that's really nice. Is that finally, like, they're doing the thing where, like, Ash is, like, calling upon, like, his older Pokemon in different combinations in every episode. And that's really, really fun to see as the first episode has shown and as the trailers for future episodes have indicated. So that's really nice and really sweet. I mean, it's like super emotional to know that after all this time, like Ash and Pikachu as characters are going to be retired and the series is going to be going in a new direction because come April, it's going to be a completely new series with a new protagonist and it'll be, you know, of course, focused on the Scarlet and Violet games 
And yeah, I am really looking forward to seeing uh, the adventure of Liko and Roy, the new protagonist in the new show, and, you know, see how Pokemon as a series is going to operate, continue on from this point. If we're going to follow these new characters long term now, or if they're going to enter like kind of a phase like Yu-Gi-Oh, where like every couple of years they're just going to switch out protagonists, which is also what the Pokemon Avengers manga does. It's, you know, new territory, but, you know, it's both satisfying and bittersweet to come to the conclusion of Ash's journey. And these episodes are going to be pretty emotional. Like, I, I felt all sorts of ways when Ash won the battle against Donde in the conclusion of the, the World Champions arc. And then, like, in the final episode, him reuniting with Butterfree was like, oh my god. And so, like, yeah, these... These episodes are going to be like a super emotional ride as a long time fan of the series has been like following it, continuing to watch it for like two decades now, over two decades. So it's a big change, big deal. It makes you feel all sorts of ways. But yeah, that will do it for like kind of anime touch in announcements. So now I want to move back into kind of big industry news. Speaking of like 10 years that are ending, there are a lot of like shakeups at some major companies of like people like retiring as well. So the CEO of Penguin Random House, Marcus Dole, has resigned in the aftermath of the failed attempt to acquire Simon Schuster. And he's been replaced as interim CEO by Nihar Malava, who previously started as the CEO as uh, they are looking for a new replacement for Dole and uh, that's you know been a t- he's had a tenure as the CEO of Random House and then Penguin Random House for 15 years and uh, worked you know at Barrett Ellsman Random House parent company even longer before that and uh, has been a member of the board so this is a big change a big shake up in the publishing industry to lose such a long standing CEO and one of the major big publishers and it's just another developing notch in this story of like the attempted and failed and unsuccessful merger of Penguin Random House and Simon Schuster, which uh, still the outcome of which whether Simon Schuster will be acquired by someone else, how that'll affect things, and the state of publishing in the U.S. Uh, it remains to be seen, but it's a developing story, and this is a big shakeup of consequences to sure. In terms of other big industry, like, shakeups of, like, long-standing, like, leaders of companies in community leaving and retiring, uh, Sean Kleckner, and uh, the aftermath of the Right Stuff Crunchyroll uh, acquisition, has decided to retire. He's left Right Stuff as of mid-December, December 14th, and uh, just left his management team in care of the Crunchyroll umbrella, and, you know, he's just, you know, uh, retired. And it's it seems, you know, addressing Shudavakis, especially kind of commented that he doesn't expect Kleckner to stay retired for long and probably come up with a new venture. But, you know, Kleckner was with Right Stuff since uh, its founding in 94. And, you know, he founded the Nozumi label in 07. He has been leading this company for nearly three decades and was responsible for helping acquire their license to Astro Boy and really developing this company as kind of like the destination for many anime fans who look to shop for their favorite anime, manga, and merch titles. Like, our stuff is like the online store catered to anime and manga fans. So, you know, Collector did a huge, huge job in building that up and creating that. And uh, it's a big development for him to leave the company he helped build up and create. And and it's a huge shakeup to have a right stuff no longer under his leadership, but now uh, in the hands of Crunchyroll and new leadership. 
And uh, similarly, in terms of like someone who was responsible for founding like a big company now kind of uh, leading for our ventures, Peter Tatara, who was vice president of events at Left Field Media and was the founder of Adam NYC, uh, announced that he's leaving Left Field and is, you know, starting a new position at the Japan Society as their director of film, overseeing their new film festival, Japan Cuts, as its festival director. And he hopes to like kind of develop programming in that festival and that organization that'll honor its history, speak to what Japan means today. But yeah, like he was the founder of Anime NYC, running it for the past like half a decade now. And yeah, it's a it's a big shakeup to now have Bad Khan under new leadership for the first time since the beginning too, as MK Goodwin is now the new event director for it. But Tadara is still going to remain as a consultant of Anime NYC and left field media and plans to like kind of teach the team, train them on PVC processes, make introductions to partners, so still help in the transitioning process. And you know, Goodwin previously worked with Tadara at your Comic Con and uh, has been left in charge of Left Field Media's other Comic Cons as well. So yeah, huge shakeups in terms of leadership changes in big companies and staples of the anime entertainment scene or, or like companies relevant to that scene here in North America. So uh, yeah, big changing of the guard and transitioning times as we head into a new year. Now, we're not going to do full community shoutouts on this episode, but I am going to leave off on two things to recommend people check out. Related to Anime NYC, during the con last year, one of the vendors, Wade Vills, suffered an injury due to an accident, and they've set up a GoFundMe to kind of raise funds to help cover his hospital bills. So, you know, if you are able to kind of throw them support as they're, you know, recovering from their injury as or have still have bills to pay you know they still have not reached their $50,000 goal they're about halfway there at 23000 but you know still could use a lot more help so definitely throw some more support their way as they had a really bad accident in terms of like a, a loading mishap that really caused a really uh, dangerous injury but luckily they seem to be okay but obviously you know the bills are quite uh, extensive so definitely them support and then the other thing i wanted to just recommend people check out is a new kickstarter started up by pixiv that is going to be producing new books that is like a compilation of art from taiwanese artists and korean artists who are popular is illustrators for many light novels and art books and stuff like that like the masamune kan illustrator tiv and the monogatari illustrator wofan are a part of these collections and respectively drew the covers for the Korean book and the Taiwan book. The books are going to feature, you know, 83 artists in the Taiwan book, 78 artists in the Korean book. And they plan to raise $10,000 by January 21st to fund the production of these books. And yeah, I think that if you're a fan of these artists, then definitely throw some support this way and, you know, help the production of these really great art books that are a celebration of the anime artist community, illustration community in Taiwan and Korea. So we'll definitely include a link to that as well. And yeah. The campaign is up until the 31st. They've surpassed their $10,000 girl. They're like almost at $20,000 at the time recording. So they're funded, but definitely if you want to support the project and get access to both books, definitely uh, try to support the way. And so I think that will lead us to the end of the show. Not full community shoutouts on this episode and not a full roundup of all the news that we had compiled. 
to go behind the curtain, like we had like 11 pages of news at one point, which is a record for us. We trimmed it down to 10, but even so, it's, it's a lot to get through. But we managed to impressively get through, I would say, at least six pages worth. I was going to say roughly half of it. Yeah, we covered most everything except for, you know, there was just a lot of anime-related news in particular that uh, we'll save for next time. And, you know, we're going to record our favorite news episode a lot sooner than uh, the wait between our recording of our December news episode, this January one. So hopefully we'll be able to manage the load and just completely, you know, unwrap all those gifts, uh, as we put it earlier in the show, and uh, put them away so that we can, you know, leave space under our tree that we for some reason have left up all year round for more gifts to come our way the next month and thereafter god there's just so many gifts no yeah it's uh you know it's it's a good thing to have to have so many gifts but uh, it's just so much to and too much to enjoy uh sometimes i would say we might have to return some of these we got so much yeah no we may we may pass them on to you as well our listeners as we hope we have done here on these news episodes you know pass on the good gifts that we have received and come aware of onto you to also enjoy but yeah look forward to that uh, next time uh, as well as other upcoming you know episodes we still got a lot of you know, speaking of plate cleaning, we have a lot of podcasts from the previous year we still need to get out this year so there's a lot to look forward to there a lot of new podcasts we have planned to record 2023 is going to be a year of adjustment as we go into our bi-weekly schedule as we figure some things out, but we have a lot of great plans of series to cover, of people we want to have on, of things we want to do with the show this year, so look forward to that, and definitely, again, leave us some feedback of what you'd like to see us uh, do this year, cover, have on, and all that stuff on our survey before mid-February as well, because we'd really like to hear your thoughts and opinions on that as well. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yes, once again, please, please take our survey. If you're a listener of the podcast, no matter how many episodes you've listened to, no matter how many hours you spent listening to us, we really want to hear your feedback. Uh, we will leave a link to that in the show notes for this episode. We will be constantly be tweeting it out over on Twitter at manga underscore maverick. So follow us there. But yes, that's going to be about it for the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I guess until next episode, we're going to let you guys know where you can find us. Starting with my good friend Lum, where can the good people find you? You can find me at LoneRomeyasha on Twitter, for however long Twitter is still a thing, as well as by the name of various other places, like Letterboxd, Animation Revelation, and Alias. For whatever it is on LoneRomeyasha, you can find me there under that name. You can also read my reviews and interviews on MongoRomeyasha.com. we got a lot planned, a lot in the works, so look forward to more published on there. And that's also where you can find my other podcast, Lum Squad, the Uriyasei Yatsura-focused podcast I do, where we discuss and celebrate the wonderful wacky world of Munkahaji's class classic rom-com sci-fi series and we're having a lot of fun of course covering the manga which the final volume is will release in february and also we're having a lot of fun talking about the new anime currently airing and the films that have been released by discotech as well as we're getting really excited to be able to talk about and revisit the older series the older anime when discotech starts releasing that later this year as well so it's a really good time to be a yours fan and 
Dark Fan. There's a lot going on, a lot to talk about. We have a lot of recordings in the works to get out, and a lot more planned to do. So look forward to keeping up with the show this year. And you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Squad. You can check us out on YouTube by searching for our channel name, and you can find us on every platform you can think of, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Anchor. You know, wherever there's a podcast uh, platform that we're on, we're on there. I mean, we also crossed episodes in the Manga Arts feed and up early, oftentimes a lot early, on the Manga Arts Patreon. And if you like the art I make, the illustrations and thumbnails I draw for our show, as well as the animations illustrations I make in general, you can find that stuff on my Instagram at SidArtWorks. All right, but as for me, I'm Colty. You can find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. I also host and produce a lot of my own other podcasts outside of Manga Mavericks that you can find links to over on my personal blog at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. Over there, that's my personal blog. You can click on the podcast page and basically take a look at every podcast that I'm doing at the moment, including some shows that I'm not a part of anymore, but I still want to link anyway. Uh, And even a lot of guest spots I've done over the years that I've been podcasting. So uh, yeah, if you are interested in listening to any of my other stuff outside of Manga Mavericks, That's where you can find them, once again, at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. Please check it out. But as for this podcast, you can find every episode over at mangamavericks.com. That's where we post every episode first. Unless you're a patron of ours at patreon.com slash mangamavericks, where at the $2 tier, you will have access to select episodes of the podcast. Basically, when we have an episode of the podcast edited before it's supposed to go out on the main feed, we will put it up on the Patreon first for our patrons to listen to before anyone else. But admittedly, that doesn't happen as often as we would like because it really depends on uh, what we have done at any given time and our scheduling and everything. So really, if you want more reliable content, you really should subscribe to our $5 tier, uh, where we post a new bonus podcast at the end of every month guaranteed. Uh, This month's bonus podcast is actually the start of a sort of new read-through over at our side podcast with the uh, Magamarks Book Club. In case you haven't been listening to those, uh, my friend Grant and I, at Grant the Thief on Twitter, have been going through JoJo's Bizarre Adventure of the Manga. We've already covered parts one and two, both Phantom Blood and Battle Tendency, which means we have finally started our read-through of part three, Stardust Crusaders. That's right. The first episode of our Stardust Crusaders read-through is now available on the Patreon, and uh, we are hopefully going to be putting up another episode of that within the next couple months or so. So yeah, if you want to get started on listening to that, or maybe you haven't listened to our read-throughs of Phantom Blood or Battle Tendency yet, those are all available and more over on the $5 tier on patreon.com slash mavericks. When you sign up for a Patreon, not only are you getting a lot of really cool bonus content, but uh, you're really supporting us the best way you can because every single cent we make on our Patreon goes back into the podcast in some way, shape, or form, uh, whether it be paying for our hosting services, you know, in terms of keeping the website and the podcast up, or even buying materials for the show. It really helps us more than we can ever put in the words. It's really helped us get out of one or two scrapes over the past couple years, and, you know, we really can't tell you how much we appreciate you guys giving and supporting to us over on the Patreon in particular. So again, if you're interested, once again, that's patreon.com slash Please sign up if you're interested. But as for everything else, once again, you can follow us on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks or on Tumblr at mangamavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash mavericks where we sometimes post different excerpts of the podcast and even some exclusive content every once in a while. Once again, youtube.com slash mavericks. Please subscribe to us. Email us anything at mangamavericks at gmail.com. Do you have any thoughts on any of the news we talked about this episode? 
Are you reading anything that you want to tell us about or maybe have us talk about on the show? You know what? Email us anything about manga or the podcast or really whatever. We love getting emails from you guys. And hey, if you send us an email, we'll read it on the show. So if you want your email read on the show, please send this one once again at mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on so many different podcast platforms at this point, but especially on platforms like Apple Podcasts and even Spotify or wherever you could do this. If you leave us some kind of rating or review or whatever, it really helps the visibility of our podcast on these platforms. And hey, uh, just in general, we love getting feedback from you guys. So, uh, you know, whether it's positive or negative, uh, just tell us what you think about the podcast and we want to use your feedback to make the podcast that much better. All right, but that is going to be about it for this episode. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Manga Mavericks. This has been episode 222, and we'll see you guys next time for episode 223. Bye, guys. Sayonara, and Happy New Year! Akemashite Omedito! Omedito!